powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane and Australia. It's episode 107 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we take a look at the Billboard Top 10 for this date, August 28th, 1971. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand is consistently on the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Scott is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed Scott brands include the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And of course, I want to mention Jerry Tobacco. The authentic Carajo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars, the Cooper is a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamathstrom Valley at Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Carajo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Carajo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to scar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Carajo. Now, with JRE Tobacco, who and who still brought their very own brand to market, and each contain that authentic Carajo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Limited Edition, and each represents the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And by Tobacalera USA. Makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacalera USA, great things are happening here. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, unapologetic, blackened cigars, MED1 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distillings, Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The Alt Maduro blackened cigars, MED1 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew diplomat retailer and remember all the live streaming for the primetime network of shows as well as the california studios for the thursday primetime show sponsored exclusively by drew estate well welcome everybody this is primetime jukebox episode 107 this late august edition as we head into the fall season here this is will cooper i am in the Perdomo cigar studios on the black stage and i'm joined tonight by my good friend and colleague in that other hemisphere, the, the east, actually the eastern hemisphere and southern hemispheres, hey, Mr. Man. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. How's How it going? Good. How are you, man? 
Good. I uh, so in uh, Australia at the moment, the big thing is a uh, is the uh, FIBA Basketball World Cup. Yes. So we're all watching that. Australia won its first game. I'm playing uh, Germany tonight. We beat Germany. I think we might win the pool. I'm not totally, I'm not totally sure that we will, but um. It'd be great if we can. Germany, for people following, blasted Japan its first game. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how we go. Exactly. Um. So, this um, I th- so the World Cup is it in Australia or no? No, it's in um, it's in Japan. Yeah, it's like three the countries: Philippines right? and uh, Indonesia, uh, right? Indonesia, yeah. 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 So it's yeah. in our area, like it's in our region. So like the games are at like six o'clock at night and stuff here. Right. But yeah. Oh, I wish it was here. That'd be great. Yeah, no. Um it definitely is interesting. Um I mean we used to the USA used to be absolutely the dominant um team in there, right? Um yes. but we don't really send the A team there anymore. No. Um, there's really, like I said, it's not anyone who's, I would say NBA all-star caliber who's on that team right now. So, um, for a while we were sending the dream team over there. Um, but then we kind of stopped. So I think, yeah, I, I kind of like it when we send these other guys over, even if they don't win it. Um, I, you know, I think it's, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, it's not exciting for me to watch us beat the rest of the world up, you know, either. So. So well, I mean to put it in perspective, so they got like a probably the best player on the team is would be Anthony Edwards. Agree. And they blasted New Zealand by like twenty seven or something. Yeah, probably should have beat them by more to be honest. Like New Zealand doesn't have any NBA players on their team at all, and so. But I think uh, it's Coop. No, I think it's a good. I think what I think what it is at the moment. Because you have other teams like Giannis isn't playing for Greece, and but I think it's a sort of a Olympic tryout. I think yeah. they're trying to see who are they, who can they take from this team over to the Olympics. I don't think everybody from this team will go over there. Yeah, no, I think yeah, a couple no. will. I agree. I don't think that will happen either. Um, it's uh, Steve Kerr is coaching the U.S. team right now, yep. and Spolster is, is Spolster coaching over there too. He. I know. I think he's been assistant coaching in the past. Yeah, uh, for the Olympics anyway. So probably. oh no, he's assistant. In the, he is. I think he's the assistant in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. So um, but yeah, you know um, I re- I remember back in like '89, um, like Seton Hall got this guy named Andrew Gaze out of Australia. That's that's right. And he was like a, he was basically like a pro guy that they recruited to go to college. I remember, <laughs> and he was like a real uh. He, I mean, he was like a very good player in Australia, and they, they got him to go to college, basically, in the U.S. Um, but he was like a big – he was like one of the best Australian players ever to come out. Yeah, I mean, now it would have to be Patty Mills, probably. Yeah. Um, but now we got we got Mills, we got Thibel, we got Josh Giddy. Yeah. We got, we're a bit more – a bit more formidable now, so that's, yep. that's nice. But it would be good, I think. I watched Canada play the other day. They're looking pretty good. Um, 
France is not looking good. No. Rudy Gobert, what happened there, buddy? I don't know. Oof. I don't they know. Got pounded. They got uh, uh, it was um they were up they were down by like five at half. And they lost by like thirty, Coop. Jeez. That's not a good second half. No. No, definitely not. Um uh, definitely not for sure. Um you know, I think the, the, the teams I would watch are um definitely Lithuania. I think they're in it. Obviously they're they're always a, a, a solid team. And um Serbia. Obviously they're good yeah. in Italy. I mean those European teams are pretty good. Um surprisingly the Dominican Republic uh has a shot, I think. <clears throat> yeah, they, well, they, they got beat, Kyle they, Anthony Towns. Yeah, yeah, they beat the Phil. They beat the Philippines. Yeah, it, yeah. But you know, basketball yeah, so they, is big in the Dominican. It's it is. Um, it's not as big oh, as baseball, yeah. but it is big. Uh, yeah, Kyle Anthony Towns, I think, had a uh, big game the other night. So he did. Yeah, um, was like 30, 30 points or something. Well, twenty six. He got twenty six. He got. Yeah, it's something. I mean, yeah. he was. Uh... But no, I've been watching some basketball. Getting ready yeah. for the show. Great show idea, Coop, by the way. Which we'll no, yeah. Into. Yeah, we'll get into that. I just want to mention one thing to you before, and I haven't told you this yet, before we start. So we are looking at a a small fall vacation. My wife and I, we may take a couple Ooh. of the boys. Uh, you know, they're older. So it looks like, Dave, it's going to be uh, the eastern part of Tennessee. Which would translate to you, Dollywood. Oh, there we go. So it was funny. My wife's like, "Do you want to go?" I said, "I want to go to Dollywood." I said, "I'm not really a big amusement park guy, but I said, I absolutely want to go." So, um, yep. so yeah. So it's not finalized, but it's either we go there or we're not gonna have a vacation. So it's, it's that's what we're just trying to figure out right now. Yeah. I, um. Excuse me. Bit under the weather, but if you. If you go there, um, it's like it's it's uh, in where is it? It's in Pigeon Forge, which I've been mm-hmm. to, obviously. Yep, beautiful. Uh, it's uh, some of the most beautiful area of the country, by the way. Yes, but it's Dolly Parton everywhere there. Yeah, like when yeah. you go there, there's like statues, there's stuff everywhere. So it's like a, like the whole town is. Yeah, it, it's um. You're right on the foothills of the Smoky Mountains there. Yeah, you're right it's, by the Smokies, yeah. So, um, you know, we haven't really vacationed since we moved to Carolina. I've been to Tennessee. We haven't vacationed in Tennessee yet. Uh, it's long overdue. Um, but, you know, uh, originally we were, we were going to tie both that and Nashville. Nashville is about three hours west, so that's not All really right. practical, yeah. So um, I think it'll be pretty cool. I think we could relax a little more. Like, one thing you get great great cabins in that area to rent so mm. uh, and going in the fall to an amusement park is a lot nicer than the summer um yes. there's a water park there but like i said i'm not really into going to the ride i kind of just want to see it you know mm. if i go on a few rides i'll go on a few rides but it's not really my thing but i really want to see dollywood so we'll have to bring you back a good souvenir from that day <laughs> uh, yeah we'll bring you something good back um if that happens i'll have more on that but that, that is the deciding place if we take the vacation that's the plan oh well i hope you get the vacation yeah it's uh we just didn't plan on a vacation this year we didn't take our big florida vacation so we still just want to figure something out oh right yeah yeah 
Well, yeah. At uh, the jukebox at cigarjukebox.com. Uh, email us, gmail, uh, cigarjukebox at gmail.com. But we got we got tons of music news this week, Coop. Yeah. We got some reviews on the site, but those are continuing to go. Um, got some reviews of some songs up there. One of them I think we talk about in the new music. Yeah. So I'll save my. Yep. I'll save it. But um, getting closer to the top 50. I got 40 songs on my top 50 already. We're getting closer <laughs> to that date. Yeah, you know the end of October is the, like my deadline already. So uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't. I have started. To, you know, think about it. it. Seems like I just published what I did. So it's like, yeah, it went fast this year. It did go fast this year. Not uh, not as earth shattering as uh, as last year, or uh, was it was it last last year or the year before, which had like the top ten was just crazy. Yeah, not as earth shattering as that, but you know, solid. So top ten, we're kind of in a, in a lull here, but uh, I might, I might. Well, the singles out. I was gonna say I might have my deadline to be after Dolly releases Rockstar, which I think is until November, is it? Or is, it's is it November, early? yeah. But 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 you know, a lot of songs could already qualify, right? Because oh yeah, she's released. Like I will talk about one of them. Well, we'll just yep. get into that. Yeah, Coop brought it up too. She so she has released Let It Be with Paul and Ringo. Which I had to listen to, um, as and I and uh, Coop emailed me that, and I and yeah, it's very cool to get the remaining Beatles together on a track, any track, really. Yeah. I mean, did you get to have a listen of it, Coop? Or yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was very good. I think it was nice. I liked the song. I think her vocals on this album are going to be pretty good. So far, from what I've heard, they're pretty solid. Um, out of the tracks she's released, I would have liked a bit more Paul on it. I would have too, but but it's a Dolly record, so I mean, you're not gonna. It's not a Paul record, I guess. But no, no, it's not. But yet, you know, it, it's still you, you. You still got those sounds on. I thought it was. I thought it was. A, I didn't know what I what to make of that cover when it was announced. Uh, yeah. but I thought it was good. I mean, did you, did, you haven't reviewed it, have you? No, I haven't reviewed it. I just had a listen. I think it's, I think it's because kind of like countries it up a little bit. Like it's like the, the pace of it is a bit slowed down and it's, it's got a bit of like a, a, a Dolly country vibe to it. Um, I've only listened to it a couple of times. Uh, but like I said, the one thing I came away with was like, Oh, I wish there was more Paul in there, but. That's all right. Yep. But yeah, so that 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 album's coming. I mean, she's already released like what four singles off it, I think. Yeah, four. Yeah. I want to say four. She had, um... she had her original as like the you know the world burning. I can't remember the name of the song. And then she did uh, the one with Judas Priest, and then the. The um, this heart one, Magic the, Man is out. Yeah, the heart one, Magic Man. Oh God, that's a good one. And then uh, this one, so yeah, four. Yeah. Which Did is, she... you know, I mean, there was one more. I want to say there was one more, but I can't remember it. Was there? Well, there's at least four. So, 
I mean, she's got a lot of time. She could release another. You could have like six singles before the album even comes out. That's true. And I don't remember Dolly. Now, yeah, I don't think she's had an album this big coming out in a while, but I don't remember her sort of like drip feeding these singles. It's usually like, here's the yeah, I think that's, I think that's becoming really... more of the, the trend now with the drip feeding this. That now, you know, it used to be remember they do like one single and then the album would come out. But now you're seeing like yes. three. They, Tears for Fears did three singles before their album Tears came for out. Tears for Fears did that. It, so it, it's definitely a change. I think that's reflecting more on streaming services, which are very singles driven. Yeah. So I think what they do with that is I think this is my theory is they don't want these songs, to, and especially with this one, they don't want these songs to get lost. So they released right. the singles early on um, because this album was probably ready to go when it was announced. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think we talked about it before too, but I think they might be trying to get a couple in to to get the deadline of the Grammys and stuff like that. Yeah, to try to get a couple out there. Which I mean, I'm sure she'd want some of these to go to go for a Grammy, like you'd think. Yeah, I'm sure that that's another thing too. That because she's probably going to be able to get two runs of the Grammys with this, so she'll yeah. get in something. Will get in this year, and then I'm sure something could get in next year. Once it releases, yeah. I mean, that's sort of like Taylor Swift's Midnight's album. Like it released right after the Grammys closed, and it was yep. like the biggest album, but it wasn't up for yep. a Grammy because yep. of the date. Yep. Um, and then you sent me a Soccer Mommy cover coupe. Did you know about that one? That I did it. not. I did not either. Sent it. Um, yeah, Soccer Mommy, um, this is, she's doing, you know, Soccer Mommy has done a lot of covers, so it's not, this is not unusual, but she's, she's been dropping a few of these lately, um, it is, um, she just did Soak Up the Sun by Taylor, uh, not Taylor, uh, Cheryl Crow, right? Cheryl Crow, which is quite good. Um, yeah, and now it's, uh, what is it, It's Only Me When I'm With You, uh, which is the yeah. Taylor Swift one. Which is also good. So that's off of Taylor's first record. Yeah, self-titled, um, and Soccer Mommy. So I did a little look into this because I'm like, "What's with all these covers, Soccer Mommy?" And I looked, and she's doing an EP called Karaoke Night, which yes. is yeah. So there's covers. gonna be there's more, and again, so they're dropping some of these as well. Yes, so that's exciting. The, you know, um, I've been on the Soccer Mommy bandwagon for a few years right now. You have, and I, I think we're going to really see a breakthrough with her in the next few years. I, I really good. I think she's good. Um, I think she's really good. Um, I think it's, she's, I think, she, you know, she's getting a couple of those like late night talk show appearances now. So she is building and she's touring a lot in the U S so she's really going on a grassroots effort. And I think she's reaching a lot of people playing these smaller venues. So she's been through Charlotte a couple of times already. I, I really right. do want to see her. Um, hey, if Soccer Mommy wants to come on this show. Hey, Soccer Mommy. Yeah. Um, you know what? Yeah. Uh, you know, you know what's going to help your numbers doing a uh, Taylor Swift cover. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, she did. You know, she's covered. I think one of the best things she's covered is a few years ago she covered uh, "Drive" by the Cars, and yes. she did a, a very good version of it. Very. Um, I wonder if they'll put that re-release that on the uh, karaoke uh, thing. Maybe. I mean, it's an EP, so you reckon it's, what, five songs? Maybe? Yeah. Six? But, yeah, six, but, you know, then that's kind of like one that I think gets lost. I th She's got, like, a lot of covers if you go into her website, and you'll see them. Mm. So, 
Um, I want to say she's covered Springsteen as well. Probably. Yeah. I'd have to look. But yep. she's but uh... I think she, she's I think she's gonna have that breakthrough moment in the next two to three years. Like when I'm talking like she'll still get recognized by Grammys and American Music mm-hmm. Awards. I think it's gonna happen. Oh yeah, no, she's quite good. I mean, all of her albums have been very solid. Yeah. Um so yeah, no, good uh good good cover. Uh good choice of cover. She said she chose it because this is her favorite. One of her favorite Taylor Swift tracks. Yeah. Some of the first album, which usually is the one that gets lost. Like, that's the one people don't really yeah. gra- gravitate towards. So it's, I mean, a, uh, it's it, a good deep cut. If Taylor reaches out to her and they somehow connect for a, a live performance or something, Ooh, which I think will be tough to happen with Taylor Swift's tour. But oh, yeah. I don't think it's out of the possibility either. No. No one tell us I mean, personality. Nothing's out of the nothing's out of possibility, really. No, nothing's out of possibility at all with that. So I think it's definitely um, something worth watching too. Yeah, well, another Taylor Swift news coop. Uh-huh. She just announced the next Taylor versions. It's nineteen eighty nine. Oh, it is. So it was kind of what you were thinking with that. Which is kind of a surprise to no one. But like, cause this album's gonna sell like a bazillion copies. Yeah. But uh yeah, so she announced that, um, and which is which is like long awaited because she actually did released a cover of like or, or a reimagining of Wildest Dreams like forever ago, even before the Speak Now record, and people thought, oh, here it comes, and it didn't, and now and now here we go. So she announced yeah. it. It's coming. I don't know when. I, I can't remember that. Um. But this is it. This is the big one, Coop, that everybody's been waiting for. This is the one, yeah, that people thought was going to happen next. And, yeah, I agree. It's going to be probably the most anticipated. Oh, by far. So I – and I don't know. Does she stop with this one or does she keep going? Because the only ones left, I think, would be – well, the Taylor Swift, the first one. Yeah. Um – Lover and then Reputation, I think, are the only three left. So I'm assuming she'll do all three. Now, how she'll do that, I don't know. Right. Like how she'll release those. But um, but this is the big one. So this is going to sell a ton. And I think the other big one, Coop, will probably be the first one. Um, I bet that's going to be the last one. I'm going to predict that's going to be the last one released. Could it would, be. It would make sense to do like kind of a bookend, you know, end, it, end where you start, you know, thing. Yeah. Kind of go back well, where you started hasn't... from, yeah. She hasn't done them in order, so yeah, but it's kind of whatever that... she feels like, really. So yeah, um, but yeah, so those are the last three because I think after Lover, she then got out of that contract. I think, um, so those will be the last three. So we'll see. I mean, I'm definitely gonna buy this one, um, and then I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna buy all of them. I'm gonna buy this one, and then I'll probably buy. Taylor Swift when she comes out with it, that'll be really interesting, because I find the ones Coop that that are the are the oldest when she redoes them have the most noticeable changes. Yeah, uh, like Speak Now ha- was very was quite a different record than the original, so I can only imagine what her uh, debut album will be like. Which would be good. Yeah, no, I agree. 
Oh, can't wait for that. And what she's going to do, Coop, is, is she does, and, and we'll sort of get into it with your cigar stuff, what she's going to do is she's going to release four different alternative covers, and, you know, people, the big Swifties will have to buy all of them, and it's just going to be, <laughs> this one's going to be on red-colored vinyl, this one's going to be on uh, transparent vinyl, and you'll Target's going to have four. their own version on red vinyl. Oh, yeah. I don't have I done that? I'm trying to think if I've ever done that. I don't think I have. I don't think I've bought Oh, have I? I might have actually. You know, the music industry finds ways for me and you to buy this type of stuff over and over. We talked about this on the show. It, it, they find oh. ways to buy the same music over and over again by doing this. Oh yeah. Well, it's <laughs> like the Beatles, right? Which uh I'm gonna go see Paul McCartney when he comes yep. to Australia. Thank you very much. But the Beatles, they'll put out some like, here's the reissue from the Japanese pressing of Let It Be or whatever. Yep. And all these Beatles fans will be like, oh, I don't have the Japanese one. <laughs> Get that one. Yep. And it's just because we're we're sick, Coop, yep. is what we are. Yep. But yeah, I'm I well, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy nineteen eighty nine again and I already have it on vinyl. But that one, but, but that one's a little different. I mean that one's her yeah, yeah I, I can see buying that one. But it's but I'm talking I, about I, buying I, different versions of that re, redone yes. 1989. I don't. I think I have done that. I've done I it. I did I, that with Aretha and with the Stones. Yeah, I've done it with Tears for Fears many times. Because it was different colored vinyl. I think I've done that. Not with the, right. even the color vinyl, just different versions of the same album. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I got the same album just because it's on different vinyl. Right, but then I've gotten them on LP and... Then I've gotten deluxe editions, and on top yeah. of that, oh, it's ridiculous. Um, speaking of ridiculous, this is a good segue into your 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 Tatuaje news. Yeah. Um. So the Tatuaje NFT auction is underway. That's being uh, done through Smokin Tatuaje, along with St. Dupont and Zycar Quality Importers. Uh, so what if folks don't know the Tatuaje Anarchy was this cigar that was released about twelve years ago. Uh, it's one of the most famous shop exclusives. Um, they're bringing it back and they're going to be offering it um, to people to mostly most likely be retailers to get. But you have to go through an, you have to purchase an NFT through an auction. So you have to win the um, auction to get the NFT. That will give you the right to buy fifteen boxes of uh, fifteen cigars a quarter. Um, but as part of the NFT package, you're getting original artwork, like uh, an original artwork print, a Line 2 ST DuPont lighter, uh, oh, beautiful humidor, crystal ashtrays, cutters. Oh, jeez. Uh, very collectible. Those ST DuPont lighters are very collectible because they're like a thousand mm. bucks each. I think they, you know, and they're one of one because each of the NFTs have a different piece of art. Well, the first NFT went, was sold this week. And it set the record. It break. It broke the floor record. A hundred thousand dollars. It went for. Jeez. We don't know who got it, but a guy named Goldenfinger got it. So it's all we know. Oh, all right. Um, okay. The second one didn't quite go for as much. The second one went for seventy six thousand dollars. Seventy six thousand and one dollar. Uh, to a guy Still named Pete. Still pretty good. Yeah. So that went now. There's a third one. There's six of them that are underway. So the third one's currently underway as we talk. And that one is at 76,000 as well. 
but it's got about another 24 hours to go. So most likely that will eclipse right. number two. Um, look, I, I, I don't understand it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think, yeah, I think there's something with the NFT that has obviously value, but I think it, this is almost like what I say, Dave is in the U S we have some, you've heard of the whole personal seat license things at stadiums. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do they still they, have that? Yeah. Oh yeah. And basically oh, right. in order to get a season ticket, you have to purchase a, personal seat license which gives you the right mm. to purchase the tickets i think this is very similar except you're bidding to pay the most for that license here so yeah. um but i gotta say abe you know he actually told me he's been working closely with lafleur even though like, lafleur did it first now he's doing it and he's done a few things different like changing the artwork up for each nft and offering some more high-end accessories he's creating value with this so um mm. um but you know, am I gonna like? Look, I love the hustler guys. Okay, they would they got their hands somehow on the NFT Lafleur cigars for two hundred dollars, and that's certainly oh, wow. their right to charge whatever they want. I'm not paying two hundred dollars for a Lafleur. No, I'm sorry, Mike. I, I'm not. Now I get he's 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 going with the market away. He didn't win the NFT, but I think he got them from one of the people who won the NFT. So I'm sure right. he's got some margins he needs to get on it. But if Mike, can, if Mike, if you could sell. Two hundred those those two hundred dollars cigars. God bless you. Hey, Sell yeah, them all. I hope you make a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna get that one from me, though. I'm sorry. I'd rather I'd rather Just spend it on some of the other stuff, like the Postani Connecticut. So, so uh, yeah. So so yeah. Stay tuned on that. Jeez. Yeah. Um. The other thing I just want to mention, Dave. We had on um Patrick Legreed from Half Wheel on Thursday on primetime. Yes. Um, Dave, that had to be one of the best interviews I've ever had. Uh period with anybody uh really amazing guy um this guy's so knowledgeable he's a big baseball guy too but uh his perspectives on the industry um he you know he's not charlie he's a different he's a very different than charlie um but you know he, they obviously they work together but they they're each individual so i think he gives a different perspective on things than charlie does sometimes but he had a lot of good right. things to say in that interview um we ended up actually aaron and i finished we did three hours with him we stayed on afterwards for another ninety minutes, just shooting shooting the stuff with him. Great guy. Um, and uh, if you haven't checked that interview out, um, I it's it was it was fantastic that interview. I just couldn't get enough of it. So, I uh, encourage folks to check that out. No, yeah, definitely. Um, I am. I will check that out. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, I yeah, I like hearing from those guys. You know, mm. you remember that Hoya de Nicaragua cigar, Numero Uno? Yes. That was oh, the yeah. cigar the Half Wheel gave number one as an events-only cigar. Mm. It was Patrick who originally did the interview, uh, the, the, the review for that. So oh, he, right, okay. So, and and, and, he, we, and basically, we talked through the whole steps, how that came into review, to how it made it to Half Wheel, to how it went to Hoya. And they have an interesting way, because what happens is, if a reviewer gives a cigar 91 or higher, then it goes to the rest of the panelists and it's eligible for their top 25. Oh, right, right, so right. then the rest of the panelists got it and then it got voted number one. And then Hoya got it. And Patrick was a little, it was interesting when he was talking about it, he, he wasn't sure maybe if this was being planned or not. So he's a little humble, but I said, Patrick, obviously you guys had something to do with this. So, I mean, yeah. one way or another. So, but, uh, but he was a little humble because he was wondering, he never said, hey, it started because we gave it number one. 
He's like, if if it was on the way, you know, it was a good cigar and they stood by it. So I'm like, good for you guys. I mean, it's good. But it's yeah. good to hear that whole story. Yeah. Right. Well. Yep. We got other. I got developing pallets news, Coop. I'm glad we talked about because this is a cigar I smoked a couple weeks ago on the show, by the way. Yeah, you smoked. So so Coop smoked this on the show. So yeah, the cigar is the, the, the Osgoder Armas. Armas, yep. And I, and they were reviewing it on developing palettes. So I'm like, oh, Coop had this on the show. Yeah, I sounded excited. I, I'm excited about it. Sounded good. And uh, they did not like it. No, they were not fans. I ordered. I ordered. I think five though. So I'm gonna try them out. Uh, because wow, because Coop really, because Coop, you liked it. I liked it, but I agree with a lot of the points they were saying. Okay. Um, right. Not that it was bad, right? I think it's a, it's a, it's the best. In my opinion, first of all, this was the best Osgood offering that came out, right? Yeah. Um, and they've had, and Seth wrote this beautiful. Osgood family has had a rough reentry into the industry. He's right. They they had those cigars from Luciano, which were not good. They moved yeah. production to Ernesto of that first line. It was better, not great. Um, Aaron wrote basically. An, Bosphorus, which was that first cigar I was just talking about, made by Luciano, moved to Ernesto. Aaron said, it's, in comparison to Bosphorus, it's definitely a step up, but not. He, of course, he wouldn't return to it. I think, Dave, you're going to like it. I, but I do agree. It's not going to be something that's going to light the world on fire either. Yeah. Uh, but I did not think that was a – I think it was the best Osgoda cigar I've had to date, is what I'll say. I would smoke, I'd buy it and smoke it again. So, All right. You know, so I, I, I don't think you – let's see what you say when you get it. Oh yeah, well I'm I'm excited to get it to try it out anyway. Yeah, you know I have I have reserv like the first one I'd be hesitant. I said Dave, I would. I, I you know I go up to Tim Osborne. I've met him. He's a great guy. I'd be hesitant to give you one of those. Like I send you ten cigars because of customs. Yeah, I'd be hesitant to throw one of those Bosphoruses in there with the ten, right? Because it's I didn't yeah. like it, right? And that's why I struggle with that sometimes with you, right? Because I don't want to send you something that I wouldn't smoke, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a pro. This one I would put in with the ten is what I'm telling you. Oh, there we go. So yeah. But, well, I mean, it has a lot of tobaccos are in the blend that I like. So it's a good cigar. It's it's not none of them killed that cigar. Like, no, they did they, not. You no, know, Seth was the toughest. Uh, Surgeon was tougher on it. He he said it was his least favorite one, which surprised me. And he had like Seth had five point one five, uh, Surgeon and Loomis had five point six five, and June had six point one zero. But a June six point one zero, and an Aaron six point one zero is not the same. Like an Aaron point six one zero is a good score. Two point six one zero is not a good score. So they tune they you know their scores. You tend to know what and Seth a five six five is not a good score for him either. No 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 no. Or Surgeon yeah. But you know I'll give it a go. Yeah, like I said, I would put it in the ten for you. So that's why I look, I look at that's how I if I was if I'm giving you like my assessment of it, yeah, I would do that. The previous release, I would not have done that though. So I'd say, nah, Dave, if you get your hands on Australia, yeah, just get it. Don't don't waste the custom slot with that. Ah. All right. Well, it's it's, a, it's interesting. So I'll see. I'll see. Uh, yeah. How it goes? Like I said, I mean, like you know. Uh, Seth was horrified that I smoked the uh, the uh, the torch four by seventy. So he's still he's still scarred on that one. I hate to we'll say. See, it. We'll see how we go. 
Horrified. 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 <laughs> but that's all right. Like you said, me paying money to smoke those gives them more money to make good cigars. That he yeah. Smokes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it all yeah. works out. We'll have to talk to Sir. Surgeon's going to be on the next show. So we're going to actually maybe we mention this only on the show with him. Because I think this was one. I thought this was a very interesting and timely review, like you said, because they reviewed it right right after we did the NBA show. Did he did he have like construction issues or something? Um, I'm looking at his score sheet. Uh, did someone his, did. It might have been Aaron. Maybe uh, someone did. I think it looked. No, uh, all of them had like maybe it was Seth. He had the average burn. Yeah, right. And John John had an amazing burn, but an average draw. Yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, I know there were some issues or something. Seth's burn was a bit average on and off in terms of quality. I I do agree with that, but I was smoking it on the show. Uh, yeah. June said the burn and performance was perfect, though. So we'll see how we go. Yeah, I'll get to try it out, which yeah. is very exciting. Um, that gets to what you're smoking today. What, yes. what what's the next cigar that developing palettes will crush? Well, let me ask you. They crushed this one already. What I'm smoking. <laughs> uh, Aaron hated this. It's the Monte Cristo 1935 anniversary. Um, let me grab something here as, as I'm talking because this is something very appropriate. So this oh, is a cigar is. from Altidus, okay? And yep. it's that it's the Monte Cristo. It got it got number two, okay? Uh, cigar of the year in the in the, I think the Bellicoso size. Made by AJ Fernandez, old Nicaraguan tobaccos, right? Yep. Yep. Aaron, I love this cigar. Aaron okay. hated it. Hates it. So yep. Rafael Nadal, you know, he does follow what we do, and he's the guy who does oh, all okay. the brand, Right. So when they sent out a package of stuff for us a few months later, they put in this I I kept the can. They they put in this hazy IPA thing, right? Yeah. Called, and they sent this with honor of Aaron called Lost Palette. Oh, <laughs> shots fired, Aaron. <laughs> well, we are ballot. Uh, I kept the can, like as a as a souvenir. <laughs> oh, uh, Aaron, I guess that's the Uber with it. Yeah. Um, you know, Dave, I'm gonna give you a little theory here. Okay, this got number two cigar of the year. Yep. You will never ever, and I've told Rafael this. You will never see a Monte Cristo, a Romeo Julieta, or an H. Upman get number one. Or any because I don't believe they would ever give it to the non-Cuban brand because of the relationship uh, with Now, which one got it for them? Rafael Nadal was Aging Room, which doesn't have that. So mm. I don't think we'll, in my lifetime I don't think we'll ever see it. Is what I'm saying. See a I higher think, one, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is really I I this made my top twenty-five years ago. It's the Toro size. I prefer the Churchill, to be honest with you. But I okay. did have one of these lying around, so. uh I'm Dave. I'm becoming more romantic about these iconic brands lately. I don't know if it's I'm getting older, so, <laughs> so I just I have an affinity for them. I'm not saying they're all great cigars, but I I enjoy. I don't know. I feel like when I smoke these iconic brands, there's something. I I feel a little intangible quality. It's special, so. Right. Yeah. I wasn't sure what you were smoking tonight. Well, okay. Because this one I was I... not familiar with. I gotta be honest with you. I made an Atlantic order. When uh, so Atlantic ships here, but it's extraordinarily expensive. I bet. So I had Anna, my wife's sister, visit. And she lives in the states, right? So I had some stuff sent to her that she brought over for me, and I had this, the Dreadnought. 
Okay, so is that a, an Atlantic exclusive? It's an Atlantic exclusive. That's by why Black I wasn't Label. familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's box pressed, um, Toro size. Uh, yeah, Black Label Trading Company exclusive for uh, Atlantic. Um, and I want to give it a try because it's a. I love Black Label Coop, as you probably know, as John knows, definitely. A uh, huge fan of Bishop's Blend, which I wouldn't have, didn't have for a while. They're doing a new but Bishop's love... Blend this year, a new version of it. Yeah, yeah. Love the Bishop's. That should be coming out next month. Yeah. But like, I've been a huge fan for a while of James's stuff. I loved it when he did with Fred. They did the Lawless. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I love Bishop's Blend. I love. He did your Candela. He did your DB. Yep. Yeah, the DB with James Brown. DB. He got. I, then he got the Green Hornet, which I also love. So I like a lot of his stuff. Yeah, which um, has been renamed to Hornet, by the way. Has it? Well, James said they didn't want to have any connotation uh, with it. Children, so it wasn't. He wasn't forced. It was a preemptive action. He said, which I thought was a good idea. That's I good thought idea. it was a very good idea. Yeah. Um, he's making the House of Emilio stuff now, isn't he? Is, is that which was it, yeah, it was the House of yeah. It's now just Emilio, not... but yeah, he and he. By the way, that's really an underrated line he's been doing with those Emilios. I gotta really? get. I gotta get some of those because they have a music theme coupe. They're like headphones and records. We we actually about a thousand times. I mean, have the conversation. Yes, there's a music theme. Um, I could send you the audio file. I think I have some audio files I could send you, and I'll put that in your package, and maybe we we smoke it on the show. You should. Um, but I've been a huge fan of James and what he's been doing. So when I saw that he had an exclusive with Atlantic, I thought well, I want to try it out, and so. So we're going to have it on the show. You know, I was talking about these guys on the Dojo show when I did the stock market. Yes. I Yeah, I saw that. I watched that show. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm I, telling you, I really believe this. In 10 years, we're going to be talking about, I mean, he's James Brown's on a trajectory to be a true master blender. Oh, and yeah. I think in 10 years, we are going to be talking about him as an absolute. And he's on that track. I'm talking about your legendary status is what I'm saying. I think he is. This guy is blending like no one else is blending and hands on. Like, like this is not disrespectful to anyone else, but this guy is so hands on every aspect of his operation from blending to tobacco procurement to packaging design. And he is just, he is doing an incredible job. Oh yeah. He's knocking it out of the park. Oh yeah. yeah. I just had that poison that poison dart and I loved it. I loved that poison and it was Brazilian and Bear was shocked I liked because he knows sometimes I'm not the biggest Brazilian fan, right? I said All Bear, right. this guy did a great Brazilian. Um I, I I really mean it. I think again in ten years when he's now on his twentieth anniversary, James, yeah. uh this guy is gonna be, I'm telling you, he's gonna have his seat among the greats. And he's already he's doing great stuff right, but you know what I'm saying. He's going. He just announced uh, distribution in England right now. So yes, I saw. I read that. Yeah, I, I, I really believe what this guy's doing right now and, and what he's doing. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm a big fan of his stuff. Nicest so, yeah, guy in the world too. Just salt yeah. of the earth. Him and his wife and great people. Yeah. And so, James, you ever want to come on and talk music, man? Yep. Come on down. Absolutely, James. We did, we definitely should do something around the Emilio stuff. So I think that's we a de- big... We have to. Yeah. I mean, it's been decided. We got it. We we ha- yeah. So he, you know what he did? He took the... Remember the 
Emilio's just had the AF1 and AF2s. Yes. He reblended them and then he renamed them side one and side two. Yeah, kind of it's so record. it's so music. I got I got I mean And and that's been a t- that line hasn't moved as well as well, black label and black works, but I mean, that's that take that's fault. taking a little time, but I think it's gonna yeah. get there. So it's not yeah. the cigars are good. It's I think the I think sometimes it, it get I think that has you have to build that brand back up again because it went off the radar for a while. Yes, yeah. and I think people have to start uh, recognizing that it's a James. That that's a James. Yeah, it's not. It's very different than it was ten years ago. Yep. He did. Uh, they discontinued. Well, not discontinued. They stopped doing. I mean, I don't. But the the cigar I love from him is with Leaf by James. You ever have that? Well, that was a powerhouse. Yeah, they the black the black sheep. Yeah, amazing. It's been discontinued because Jim Robinson is turning more of the operation over to Oscar. So I don't think they're doing. I think everything they're doing now is through Oscar for Jim Robinson. Uh, but yeah, Leaf by James was a beast of a cigar. Yeah, it was strong cigar. Yeah. Then the Absolution, which we're, we're both big fans of. Absolution, that's the one. Which is Espinosa. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Hector was involved with that one. Uh, James does good shop exclusives. That's the other thing I'll say about James. Um, and I'm critical of the mm-hmm. shop exclusives. James doesn't go and give you a, 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 a dud of a blend. He's giving you. Good blend, excellent packaging. Um, so I mean, like I said, this this guy, I believe the sky's the limit with him. I, I don't oh, think yeah, you've I seen totally them. Agree. Yeah, I'll be honest, I didn't like the Madonna Negra. I, I okay, yeah, but it just wasn't my type of cigar. It wasn't that it was a dog rocket, is what I'm saying. No. It's, you just can't everything's not gonna hit your palate. Yeah, he's got a pretty varied portfolio now. Like there's Connecticut's in there, and he has the hyena. And- some other things. Hyena. I mean, he just did the Brazilian with the poison dart, so it is varying. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was he was known as the Maduro guy for so long. Yes, um, he was. Lombardo was actually a milder Maduro, which is kind of out of his. He did one of those out of the wheelhouse cigars. Um, again, not my profile, but but uh, I could tell you, surgeon loves that cigar. So, enough about James. You got enough publicity from us, James. Let's try to get in the time to get in the show. And he well deserves it, by the way. He's just a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, we'll have to get. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Coop, you came up with this idea. So what uh, can you like introduce the idea to us and like how how you kind of came about it? Yeah. So there's a couple like social groups I'm in on Facebook on music. And if you remember, Dave, about three or four months ago, I, I I, someone posted a, a billboard top 10 from like 1985. And I was just like, I think I sent it out to you and Hector. I'm like, Hey guys, look at this, right? It's interesting with these songs. Like look at these, look how many songs were in the top 10 that week that were, were um, kind of legendary. Right. So I just started thinking about that. Right. And um, I've always been intrigued with the billboard top 10. It's kind of like the cigar aficionado list in a lot of ways how things land on this list, where they land, how high, high do they climb on the list, right? Um, because there's almost like, and we're going to go through it, there's a couple of songs that you get, we're going to talk about. How did this not get higher on the on the top 10, right? Mm-hmm. A lot has to do with the timing of this and everything. Um, I have this book. Uh, I've had this book for years. My wife bought it for me before we got married. It's called Billboard's Top 10, and it has every Billboard Top 10 chart from 1958 to 1988. Nice. Um, so, so I can open it up. And Just there now you go. It's on, 
now it's on the web, so they have everything up until modern here. Um, so it's you know I, I kind of find it kind of a a, a science almost. They in, in the top ten, it's based on mostly sales and uh, downloads. Now it used to yes, be more yeah, sales and airplay yeah. years ago. And I just started looking. I said, Dave, why don't we we maybe we launch a kind of a series where we do this three or four times a year, right? Where we mm-hmm. we pick a date close to the show date, right? We go see what Billboard's chart was because there's a chart for every day. Like going back, right? Because if you, I think they do it like one day a week, right? But if you, 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 any day of the year, they did a chart basically. Um, and let's just kind of like go through the songs. Let's see what we think of the songs. Let's see if we even know the songs. There's a couple I'm sure we didn't know. Uh, let's see how they kind of placed and uh, talk about the art. I think it could facilitate some good discussion. So this is a trial balloon to see how this is going to go. I'm pretty excited about it, Dave, uh, because uh, and and so when I when I Dave said pick a day, so I went to August 28. I just yeah. Billboard charts came out August 28. Bingo, 71. We we've done hey. a lot. We did a whole show on 1971. I said let's look at 1971. I said that was a good starting point. Um, I'm sure we'll pick some that are in other decades. I'm, I'm sure we're gonna pick yeah. something more. I think we should do one like. In the last ten, you know, newer ones too. Yeah, modern one. Yeah, modern yeah, one. But this so, isn't fun. Yeah. So, and like I said, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, we do a few of these a year, um, and let's see how it goes. I mean, that was my opinion on it. So you went, you like, so Dave. I said, Dave, have an idea for a show. He's like, hey, let's do a pick a day. I pick a day. The next morning, Dave's got the show notes done already, right? So, well, you know, yeah. I'm like, wow, it's great. It's that's exciting. How we, that's how we work. How we roll. Yeah. But Coop had the idea. It's a great idea. So we're going in reverse order. So we're going ten to one. Ten to one, yeah. Um, so that people so Yeah. So no, I love this idea. I love it. Uh and, and I think too, which we'll we'll get to is you can see some of the themes that we talked about with nineteen seventy one starting to show up in the billboard. There were a chart. lot of those themes in the and especially this week was very intriguing how some of those themes came out. It's interesting. Yeah, um, there were artists that we didn't talk about from nineteen seventy one that had big years. Yeah, and there's there's one artist that we'll talk about in general had a a huge hit in 1971. I don't know how we missed it either. So we'll talk. Like I said, we didn't get everything from that year. We covered a lot of music that year, obviously. But yeah, but no, it's uh it's good. So we'll we'll kick it off at number ten. Yeah, and we'll get Coop's thoughts first. It's Donnie Osmond with "Go Away, Little Girl" coming in number ten, which I think is down. No, it's actually or, or it's before it goes up. It goes. It's before it goes up. Um, because right. this song would actually land number one. A few weeks later, and stay there for three weeks. Oh, in fact, it would finish as Billboard's number seven of the year when they <sighs> did the overall list. Jesus. Um, this was painful. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have to say it. This is a terrible song, right? It's not yeah. a terrible. Okay, this is a terrible cover because the, it is covers. Uh, there's versions yeah. of this by Steve V and Steve Lawrence that are much better and actually enjoyable. I don't hate Donny Osmond. I love them on Donny and Marie. I think he was good with the Osmonds when he sung with them. Don't give me Donny Osmond solo. He's he's he is he is poison when he's solo. He's not a good. He's not good. He was good on no. Donny and Marie when he was singing with his sister duets, right? Or when he's with his brothers, right? But but he and it's just this this octave he sings in is horrible. It's oh. like I I can and and this is going to be a theme. I wanted you to just remember that this song went number one for three weeks as we talk yes. about these other songs. Because it was painful yes. to listen. I don't know. I, I did not. I do not like this song at all. 
I uh, I said, well, my first note is that this is the type of music that will largely be stamped out. <laughs> you're right. You're by right, yeah. by the seventies. Yeah. Uh, largely. Uh, when we get to the rock, we get to more seventies rock and the singer songwriter revival of larger stuff. Music out. I thought of modern examples. Coop is like, if you think of Michael Jackson with Jackson Five. Yep. Or early Beebs. Yeah. Or Jonas Brothers. Ex- or Jonas Brothers. Yeah, Jonas, Jonas Brothers. Brothers. But this was different. Yeah, this. Yeah. And my third note is this song makes me hate art. <laughs> that's, that's that what we- this did. <laughs> I didn't want to hear. Like it made me hate everything. This song. I, I- it went number it. one for three weeks. It was the number seven cigar. The this is number seven cigar. Number one, seven cigar. Okay, say it again. It's the number seven song of the year. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest years of music. It this is, is what tells awful. you there's something wrong with the Billboard chart, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, right. Because yeah, there's so many great songs in 1971. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I would turn this song. I've heard this song before, and I would turn it off. I just go, go away. Like, yeah, go away. Oh, it's terrible. But it's not, um, like I said, the the Steve Lawrence and Steve V versions are good. It's it's, it's Donnie who's just oh, not, it's I, I just good. that kitty pop, kitty bubblegum. Yeah, I it's can't. like can't go away. It's like oh, luckily, like I said, a lot of that music gets sort of stamped out for a while. Yep, yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, Aretha with Spanish Harlem coming in at uh, number nine. Oh yeah. So this is very good. Um. This is the original is by uh, Benny King after he left the Drifters. He didn't write it. He wrote it by notorious a criminal Phil Spector. The, the late, and, not uh, great Phil Spector. <laughs> no, yeah. the uh, anti-woman Phil Spector. And yeah. <laughs> Jerry Lieber wrote it. Uh, so they wrote it for Benny King to get a hit after he left the Drifters, which this was his biggest hit after the Drifters. Um Aretha covered it not that much, not that long after, like I think only a year or so. Um, got to put a soul and gospel spin on it that I really love. And I think the Benny King version got to 10, while Aretha eventually gets to number two with Spanish yep. Harlem. A very yep. good song, um, does quite well for her. So, no, great song. I like this song uh, a lot. I love this song. Okay. I love this. I love the Benny King version. And I tell you what, I, I wrote in the notes. This this one gets lost when it reads this catalog. Her version yeah. is, is beautiful. Okay. Um, and you mentioned the gospel and soul thing. And then you get some of those Spanish strings and some of the piano in here. It's a complete song. It's a complex song. Olita's vocals are mm. amazing. I think this I, I and it and it got to number two. Do you know what stopped yeah. it from getting to number one? That's stupid. Freaking Donny Osmond. Fucking now, Donny are you going to tell me that this I, this is what's wrong with the... You know, so it's kind of a commentary of what's wrong with the Billboard charts. Yeah. It has to be... Like, airplane sales have play a lot into this. It's not Billboard arbitrarily doing this, right? No. But this, I mean, Aretha's... This is just an amazing track that, uh, you know, didn't get the number one. <laughs> oh, but maybe God. in a week or a week, if this was... How this was timed... This probably would have been a number one, for, and I think if it was a number one, for oh Aretha, yeah, it would have a different. It would have a different place in our catalog. I think so when you get that number one, it, it it's it's like getting the aficionado number one. It's a big deal. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. but I love this song. Oh, it's you know growing oh, no, up in New York song. and stuff like that. 
Spanish Harlem was always a song. You heard these versions on the radio. It's all it's, it's part of the fabric of New York. It's it's a beautiful song. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I found it too, Coop. And I like the Betty King version, even though it was only a year away. I thought Aretha, it just had a bit more of a modern vibe to oh, it, oh, I guess. Aretha, yeah, it had a little more complexity to the song, too. Yeah. Uh, Betty King. Very straightforward. Yes. You know, but but Aretha, you know, and they, they bring that all these other elements, the gospel, the Spanish strings. It's 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 and her voice is nothing against Benny King, but her voice is amazing. No. Maybe it, but but, but we don't yeah. we don't if you if people are gonna name ten Aretha songs, this one gets lost because everyone thinks yes. the Benny King one. Yeah. Yeah. Um This is a great song. Yeah. So we got the undisputed truth, smiling faces sometimes. Yep. Um, which when you hear the title, you're like, oh, I kind of remember that song. And then when you play it, you're like, oh yeah, I know the song. Yeah. It. You probably couldn't name the artist. Um, no. as far as that goes, uh, which the artist is the undisputed truth. Uh, they didn't have a lot of hits or anything. Um, this one was at number eight. It would get to number three, and it would be yep. Aretha would be at number two. And Donnie Osmond will be number one. Um, this song is got, and I know you're going to talk a little more about this. It has a very haunting element to yes. it. Yes. Yep. It's got elements of funk, early disco, psychedelica, and R and B. I just love this track. Um, and again, this one finished number fourteen for the year. This was like you know, this is kind of those early funk days we're talking about here. And 1971, where funk was just starting, I think, to get some roots here. And a song like this, um, again, I think this was a very strong top 10 around this time that was going on. This was a a lot of songs were competing with each other. But this one, I think, you know, in a week or week could have easily been a number one. But people notice people notice track. They just don't know the band. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you say. A lot of excellent points. Um, it's a, a funk disco. It's amazing. I love this track as well. I love it. Like like you're talking about, it has this sense of dread that I love about it. Um, and it's starting to fit into that sort of, we talked about it with the music of 1971. Yep. That distrust of authority, the sort of theme of dread and doom. And I mean, you're looking at, what was it? Was it? It was near the end of the or was, uh, Vietnam War, and then you had, you know, what? You mean '68 just happened a couple years earlier? So there's a lot of distrust, and you know, the world's coming apart sort of vibe, and you're starting to find its way in the Billboard Top Ten. Um, and you get that vibe with this song. You'll get that vibe with some other songs that we'll talk about. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. They sort of see that's this theme that we talked about in our '71 show starting to come up. And uh, Joan Osborne does a great cover of this track as well. Cool. Uh, yeah, I didn't know until you said that. She does a very good cover of this track, so which is might be the one that people know of when they, when they, when you hear this song, you might go, "Oh, it's that Joan <laughs> Joan Osborne does the song." Yeah. So yeah, but no, great track. Love this track. Um, the next track. So we're at number. We're at seven. seven. Uh, uh, Three Dog Night with Liar. I had no reference for this track. This track was new to me. Uh, I like Three Dog Night, though. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, 
for me, this is sort of like quintessential 70s rock coupe. It had that epic chorus you're looking for. It had vocal effects. It had sort of like classic 70s bass line. Um, it had sort of everything you're looking for in sort of your, your quintessential 70s rock here. Um, and I said, much like Smiling Faces, more of that 70s distrust of authority. I mean, it's called Liar for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're getting more of that sort of anti-establishment sort of vibe. Um, yeah, no, I, I liked I liked the track. I, I had no idea what it would be like, but I liked it. What were your thoughts on this one, Coop? Um, yeah, this is, I think you nailed uh, everything that you said about this being quintessential, like, or, uh, especially early 70s rock, um, yeah. which uh, was, um, you know, so I think it was a very good, now we have uh, the first rock song on this top 10 like that. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, I mean, I've heard this song, but again, it's not something that when I say Three Dog Night, this song doesn't come to mind. It peaked no. it, so it didn't get higher than this, right? Okay. But it was the follow-up to what was the number one song of the year from Billboard, which was Joy to the World. Yes. So this was the follow-up single to Joy to the World, right? Oof. Which was a monster hit, right? Everyone knows Jeremiah was a bullfrog, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this is, unless you're a Three Dog Night fan, I'm not going to say I'm a Three Dog Night fan. I just, I respect some of their music, but it's a deep cut for most people. It's not something that probably didn't get, a, it doesn't get a lot of airplay. Maybe it got some airplay back then. It doesn't get it now, even on the, the, the deep rock, uh, the deep rock. No, stage. I wouldn't Apple think so. Um, the song actually came from a guy named Russ Ballard, um, who was in the band Argent, uh, okay. which is Rod Argent's band. Um, and they had actually released this um, from their day. Argent was on their debut album. It was the band's first single. It didn't chart at all. Right. But as we talk okay. about, and it, so far we've had like, all, like three, like all these have been had a cover angle. I mean, some of these songs yes. have all been covered. We talked about how that was still, that changed by the end of the seventies. That wouldn't happen. But artists would pay, songs would be covered by artists like a lot more than they were. Um. Yeah. And it became more competitive to do your own stuff. And I just I just love the background melody in this song. Though. I think that's the thing. Mm. It's that background rock. It's a nice, good rock song. Um, but uh, and you're right. It has a good it has the social messaging in here. Um, but it's again, I, I think it's a deeper cut for the average uh, music fan. Unless you're like really into three dog night here. But it still got to yeah, number seven. Um, and I think it got to I'm not saying it's a bad song, but I think it rode the coattails of joy to the world. Uh, yeah, in the because that was just a monster that song. It is, it is, you know, Three Dog Night must have gone to some rallies or something because to go from the single called Joy to the World to your next single is Liar. Yeah, <laughs> like that's quite a change. In I think tone. it was the same album. I think it was on the same album. Yeah, man, they uh, they, they, there's some different messages going on there. Exactly, exactly. Um, this wasn't as radio friendly as as Joy no. to the World. Was well, either. no, I mean the chorus is crazy. Yeah. And when we talk Joy to the World, we're not talking the church hymn Joy to the World. Like, no, no, we're talking Although, you know, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Yeah, but hey, the church hymn that might chart. You never know. Oh, I think but, it has. Uh, yeah, I think probably. <laughs> but no, so yeah, good, good one there. I didn't know that song, so I learned about that song, which is interesting. Yep. Um, this is sort of similar, Coop. Uh. In that, I think you really have to be a CCR fan to hear this song. Yeah. But uh, it's Sweet Hitchhiker by CCR. Same, almost the same message I have with this, my notes were Dave, 
Um, first of all, I love the rock sound in this. Like, there's great guitar work. Uh, John Fogarty on lead vocals for CCR, incredible. Um, but like this song peaked this week at number six. So this is our number six. Yeah. It didn't get higher than number six. And like like what we just talked about with uh Three Dog Night. This is not a this is not a CCR cut that a lot of people would know. It's if you're a CCR fan, yes, you're gonna notice. If you're not a CCR fan, this one's probably not on your radar, and you might or might not have even heard this song. But um, you know, Creedence Clearwater was was a pretty big artist back around this time, and uh, getting a number six here, um, about right. I mean, it's I, I wouldn't say it's something that was got you know some of these songs that didn't get higher. We'll talk about it later. Got robbed. I don't think this one got robbed. It's about where I would put it. Yeah, I. Uh... I didn't know that I, I was like, oh, this sounds sort of familiar. And then it hit the chorus. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know the song. Yeah. So I think if you're a CCR fan, you'll know it when you hear it. You might not know it like on paper. Yeah. Um, it, It's classic CCR for me, Coop. Like it doesn't stray too far from their Southern rock formula. Like, I mean, Fogarty's vocal is what you expect. Um. The, the the rock is what you expect, how they arrange it, the breakdown, everything is what you think. So there's not a lot of surprises there. Um, for me, it felt like, so this is in 71. For me, it feels like a carryover from the late 60s. Agree. Like that uh, 60s free yeah. love vibe, you know, like pick up the hitchhiker. It's free love, man. Don't worry about it. And it kind of had, it feels like out of time a little bit. Like, I don't know. It doesn't quite fit the rest of this chart, if that no. makes sense no you're i would say you're you're like right on target with that um, um yeah but you know they, they've had um also kind of note is uh they had most of their like they had already had a lot of success before this right yes you know proud mary was yeah. a hit um down on the corner fortunate son i mean they had a string of hits uh so by the time sweet hitchhiker hit um and this was the follow-up single to "Have You Ever Seen the Rain" as well. Mm. Um, I mean, which, which is I a think, bigger hit yeah. than yeah. And I think, like, like I said, it, it doesn't stray too far from their formula. So if you like CCR, you're gonna like it. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty classic CCR. Yeah. So, um, here's the other interesting tidbit, Dave. I didn't put in the notes. This was their last top ten hit at CCR. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this, like I said. Um, I, they did, I remember they, they, they did, there was some stuff released later on that was left over, but you know, um, they did, I heard it through the grapevine, uh, after this and, um, but yeah, this was really the end of, obviously Fogarty would have some more success down the road, as yeah, a slow would, order, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, this was it. This was kind of the end of that there and they had a pretty decent run in the U S they were always charted well in Canada, though, by the way, which has a different charting mechanism, but, but, okay. uh, and they, they had us, uh, like, a, a string of a lot of U.S. hits, uh, but this was this ended it for them. Now this next song, Coop, is amazing, and I love this song, and I don't know oh, why I haven't a... listened to it. I haven't listened to it in a while, so I'm yeah. glad that you did this. Yeah, uh, Gene Knight with Mr. Big Stuff. Mr. Big of this song. Oh, it's so good. So it's coming in when we're here at five. So I believe so. Ten, nine, five. Eight, yep, this is five. Um. But it, char- it charts up to two. It is one of the biggest hits for Stax, the, the company. Uh, it's classic. Um, it also has this sort of theme that we talked about in our 70s show, 71 show, about this like growing theme of feminism within that period. 
Uh, so you sort of have feminisms on the rise as well as this anti-authority that we sort of talked about. You have a lot of great feminist singer-songwriters. And this song fits into that because it's a song about cutting this man down. Like, who does he think he is? Like, you know, taking him down a peg, um, which kind of fits within that feminist theme, which Aretha Franklin will get in, will, will do as well. Um, so, yeah, so you're seeing 70s themes kind of coming out. Uh, and it's just a great track. It's a yeah. great track. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Coop, on uh, Mr. Big Stuff? Yeah, Mr. Big Stuff um, got the number two. So by now it was falling, actually. This song. Okay. Uh, right. The song that blocked it from number one is coming up. So we'll just kind of hold off on that. Oh, thank God it wasn't fucking Donny Osmond. Uh, no, it wasn't Donny Osmond, right? Thank uh, God for that. It wasn't Donny Osmond, but uh, I think the, the, the one that got number one was worthy of it uh, being number one. So, um, but um, I, Dave, I agree. First of all, you nailed everything. I love the, I love kind of the story that the song brings. Mm. Um, basically, She's talking to some guy. G Knight's talking to some guy who's called who's a guy got an egomaniac called Mr. Big Stuff. He's like, <laughs> but he's also like, you know, doesn't treat her great, right? But he buys her everything, buys his stuff and everything. And, you know, she's kind of singing back, like, you know, who do you think you are? And she wants more than just she's looking for more than just um material goods here. You know, I think she wants some, yeah. some love here, you know. Um, but it's just a like it, this is an iconic song, in my opinion. It actually finished number 18 for the year. Um, and like I said, I think it was, you know, uh, but I think this song has, like, transcended a generation. You see it used on commercials. Oh, uh, yeah. But this song, it's got that funky kind of vibe to it. Gene Knight wasn't, like, this big star either, you know? She didn't, like, I thought we'd see more from Gene Knight. You know? But this was a little great song. She got a great voice. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great song. I love this song. I love everything about it. Yeah, um, Jean Knight uh just turned eighty. She is still alive. All right, Anya um, Jean. Yeah, so she is still alive. Um, but really, like she didn't do enough. Like she took a lot of time off. I don't know why she took the mm. time off. Um, but she took some time off. I think she did have a kid and things like that. But, like, she didn't do another album until 10 years later. And, it, you know, she didn't do it. This was it. She didn't do anything with Stacks after that. Um, and she never had the success again. I think being away that long was just too too long, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. So, uh, kind of a shame. But, uh, but yeah, uh, glad to see she's still alive. Yeah, kind of track, too. Um, now, okay. We're going into number four. This is Marvin Gaye with Mercy, Mercy Me, The Ecology. Oh, my goodness. This is what's wrong with get, the charts. Yeah, we're going to get, get into, into this. Get into it, Coop. Get into it. All right. <laughs> wow. Coop Let's just say this. Heat. Mercy, Mercy Me. This is nothing short of a masterpiece song from start to finish. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, When I say masterpiece, I mean, this is... I, it, in my opinion, Dave, it's the best. I, I know there's other Marvin Gaye songs that, uh, what's going on? Yep. This is, this is, I mean, and Martha Wilson is great. I still love this song better. This is an absolute, um, great song. Um, and my question is, it's at number four, right? And unfortunately, 
this is where it stalled mm. at number four. How does how does this? And then the week after, Dave, this is the last week it was in the top ten. It fell oh. after that. Um, it it moved up the chart quick. This song, though, so by it took like back then, songs would have to kind of climb the chart, right? Which is a little right. different today, where they debut higher and then they fall. They fall. So they yeah. kind of do this slow yes. rise to the top. But that one kind of got. It took nine weeks to get into the top ten, which is about a decent amount. It's not unusual back then to do that. Um, but it falls out. And I know I'm gonna, Dave. I want you to talk about the messaging of this song a lot better than than what I would do. Um, but to me, this was uh, this is. A miscarriage of justice of what's wrong with with the Billboard chart is what I'm just gonna say, and it wasn't even one of the top songs of the year either. But to me, oh. this is Marvin Gaye's masterpiece. I I love this song. I just love this song. It's 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 you know we did perfect songs, Dave. This would be a perfect. Oh song yeah, for me. Oh I, yeah, we did make it. I should have put it in my perfect songs. If we do it again, it will be in my perfect song. I I can't say enough about this song. It's great. Oh no, it's a great song. Um. It's off of, like Coop said, it's off of What's Going On, which is the best record ever recorded, in my opinion. Um, one yep. of the biggest records for Motown. And the, the only thing I can think of, Coop, is that it didn't get a lot of radio play because the other songs on that record, possibly, like, cut, like it cannibalized itself almost. I don't know. Yeah, you know, What's what, Going what, On didn't get number one either because Three Dog, uh, Three Dog Night, Joy of the World, blocked it, but yeah. Should have been. Yeah. Well, I agree. I mean, because the, the album itself sold crazy. So I don't know. I mean, so I love the vocal on it, which I love on all of his songs. Um, now, the record's theme, this song sort of fits in the larger themes of the record, which is like war, disillusion, social problems. In this case, he's talking as an environmental message. I guess the overall theme of the record and of the song is like a, the idea of a world that's spinning out of control, just like generally. So you have war, you have all these police brutality, which isn't in this song, but it's in the record. And then the environment, it's sort of like the world is coming unstuck at a number of different points. And that's a classic early 70s theme um, with other bands as well. This idea of with war and the government, like with, you know, the shootings at Kent State and a bunch of other stuff, like this idea of Everything's falling out of control. It will it ever be fixed, or is the world just like over? And and that's kind of the message behind the the record. Uh, what's going on? I mean, it's just in the title, like you know, this idea of you know what's going on, like what's happening, like you know how yeah. do we fix it, that sort of thing, or is it even fixable? Which I think is is in his song here, the mercy, mercy me, is he's just sort of like sitting back witnessing the destruction of the environment and of you know society and he's just like he doesn't know what to do about it other than witness it be like this is terrible which is essentially i mean (laughs) which is a very dark message for a song that's not that dark really like i mean you hear the vocal and, and the vibe of it and it's just a great soul song but the message is pretty dark Finished as the number sixty-two cigar. I keep saying cigar because I've talked about it. Number sixty-two song of the year that year. Sixty-two. But this, was, but this was a Dave. This was a million. This single sold a million copies. I don't know. As well as what's going on, which was only number twenty-one. So this is there's flaws with the Billboard system, is what I'm going to say. I don't know if they get the airplay back then with these songs, but but they sold these records. It had to be the maybe it was the airplay, but 
Well, because then Airplay it? 2 Coupe, I mean, up until the 80s, Airplay, like, there are all these kickbacks to radio stations and yeah. stuff and all these mm -hmm. deals. and Yeah. So you can really manipulate these top tens if you wanted. So it could have been a victim of yeah. that. I don't know. It's a great song, though. I, I want to, you know, there was, a, there was a publication in the 70s called Record World, which was yep. a competitor to the Billboard. And uh, they used to do their own charts. Cashbox, there were three magazines. Billboard, Cashbox, and Record World. Billboard eventually just like eclipsed the others, but Record World had a quote in here, right? That they wrote. They said yep. this song couldn't have been more perfect, and Gay developed well, a style that was uniquely to his own. It nails it. What a songwriter Marvin Gaye is. When you hear I, this Dave, this you know I just got I, when I see this at number four, it's just a travesty. Something was go, wrong. Go, yeah, Gordy didn't even want to. Gordy. Gordy didn't even want to make the record. Yeah. So, I mean, it could have been his fault because he could not have been pushing it. I don't know because he didn't yeah. want to make it. Yeah. And Gay's like, you're making it. And then it sold a bazillion copies. So. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Palmer did a very admirable cover of this song, too. I mean, it's not. Yeah. If it's anyone not could cover it, Robert Gaye. Palmer could, but not. I mean, again, with Marvin Gaye's version is. Oh. Uh, just so, great songwriting here. Uh, top to bottom. So we moved to a very well-known song, to maybe a song that's more well-known for its cover. Yeah. And that's Five Man Electrical Band with Signs coming in at three. Um, I just got a little bit of it of on here, and I'll, I'll, I'll yield the floor to Coop, who's got a bit more info. Mm -hmm. Same with the next song. Um, but people know the Tesla version of Signs that came out. I think they it was like their acoustic version or whatever. It was a big song for that, big cover for them anyway. Um, fits that theme of counterculture coming up and taking on the authority of the establishment. Um, it has very punk themes, Coop, which I think you touch on. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to say too much about it. But it like definitely punk is going to take this vibe up to 11, like later in the 70s and into the 80s. Um, but it's just the anti-authority theme. It's sort of running throughout this top 10. Um with some of the pop hits, like the Donny Osmonds being sort of the outliers, really, that are just straight pop with like nothing going on. Um, this song is more of thematic of the 70s, which these themes are going to really get blown out once we get to to punk and things like that. So, yeah. Um, so how about you? You got a lot of stuff on here, Coop. So what do, what do you think of this one? Brilliant song. Um, you probably, You've heard this song, but you probably don't know the artist or the name of the song. But you've heard this, right? Yeah, um, definitely, yeah, and it's definitely like early punk in this, right? Uh, what what like a seventies classic foundation in it too, right? Um, I think this song is really brilliant though from the songwriting standpoint. Uh, it was written mm. uh, again. The band is Five Man Electrical Band, and uh, the front man was a guy by the name of Les Emerson. Uh, he wrote this song. He was on a cross country road trip, and he basically observed different signs. Uh, oh, right, okay, or anything, right? And he incorporates like different, like like four different themes into here, right? So the in the first part is that he talks about a notice of long haired freaky people need not apply for a job opening, right? So then he talks about a guy who wants to get the job, and what does he do? He stuffs his hair into a hat in order to get the job interview, right? Uh, and then if he gets the job, he, he reveals, "Hey, I'm a hippie," you know, like like that. Yeah. Uh, then there's a second one where there's a sign outside a housewarming that trespassers will be shot on sight. Um, so then it talks about a guy who climbs on the perimeter fence and berates the owners for keeping people out and fencing the land's natural beauty. I guess the guy doesn't get shot, right? 
Yeah, you're getting you get... shot nowadays, man. Right, right. <laughs> uh, then the third one is talking about a sign where um, there's a dress code and someone's being told to leave a restaurant because he doesn't meet the dress code or have a membership card, uh, which, by the way, is both prominently displayed on the sign. It's uh, Elton John. Yeah, yep. Uh, it's Phil Collins. <laughs> Phil Collins, yeah, that's right. And then probably the most interesting is that fourth chorus where it's a signing inviting. This is really, I think, a very interesting one. Signing by a signs inviting people to worship at a church. Mm. Uh, but basically, uh, he's in the so he goes, the guy goes into church, offerings taped up at the end of the service, and he makes a sign to, uh, telling God, Hey, he's doing well, so I have no money to contribute. Right. Yeah, I don't need to contribute yeah. any money. So just some, just some little things in there. I think it's just some brilliant songwriting. Uh, peak, this was the peak position, by the way, didn't get hired in number yeah. three. Uh, finished in number 24 for the year uh, on the Billboard chart. So, solid song. I mean, I think it's a good song here. This was, mm. I hadn't heard this song in a while, but I knew this song. And uh, I guess and it was, if you've heard it, like I said, Dave mentioned it's been used um, on the Tesla commercial. But listen to this song and the lyrics here. It's a very, very good, good track here. Yeah. I mean, that Tesla song, I think, came out, when did that come out? Late 80s or something? Yeah. That, that, that'll be the one a lot of people know because they didn't even stray too far from the original really but no but and uh so we got now this one Coop has a ton on so I'm just going to clear the lane and go first because I just have like one point okay um, that's John Denver Take Me Home Country Road number two yeah shout out to uh, mom mom loved this track she still loves this track today uh, love she this track yeah I uh I'm a little higher I so we have to talk about another song, which is kind of in the same mindset of this, and that's Rocky Mountain High. Mm. Um, mm. And um, but this, I think those two songs are uh, John Denver's biggest hits, right? But yeah. the interesting thing is, uh, this was a project that was being worked on, right? Uh, Denver was involved with it, and you know he was also a songwriter. John Denver, he was working yeah. with uh, two other people, Bill Danoff and Taffy Nivert. Um, and then they, Bill and Taffy basically went one day and said, Hey, we're going to sell this song to Johnny Cash. Right. The song wasn't even done yet. They, the song wasn't even done yet, but they were trying to, or they think they had someone to do it. John Denver flipped out, right? He's, oh, I yeah, can see that. Think about easygoing John Denver, John Denver with the Muppets flipping out, right? He <laughs> wanted this song, right? And, uh, they basically said, Okay, John, fine, you could do the song, right? And, um, it um you know it became uh you know obviously one of his signature songs right yes. uh take me home country road um it was based on i think traveling i think originally take me home country road was, was more of a new england theme from what i understand but eventually okay. how it got moved to west virginia west virginia yeah. yeah um but it is this is an iconic song it was recently selected by library congress for preservation in the national recording registry uh, because of the references to West Virginia, it's a theme song for West Virginia University. Played at every home game since 1972. Oh uh, wow! And it was adopted as one of the four official state songs of 2000 in 2014. There were four. They picked four. All state right. Songs. Okay. Rocky Mountain High, I believe, is the state song for Colorado. So John Denver's got two state songs here. Uh, Anya John and. They're so like these songs are so associated with like this song's the West Virginia, uh, West Virginia one, and you know obviously Rocky Mountain High is Colorado. I I've gone I've been in West Virginia a lot. Um, and uh, I, look, it's very cliche. I'll play this song when I go to West Virginia. Oh, you got you have to you have to. Um, and 
it's 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 amazing. Well, this song's just amazing. Um, couple of covers. I, I want to mention three covers here. Uh, Hawaiian musician is the late is. Um, it's short for Israel Kamakawa, whatever. I don't know how his name is. He's big, big, late, late Hawaiian singer covered this song with a Hawaiian spin to it, as opposed to West Virginia. <laughs> Beautiful version, by the way. Um, is just look up is and you'll you'll figure it out. Olivia Newton John does a country gospel version of this song. Um, and then there's Brandy Carlisle who just butchered this song. Yeah. 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 Um, it finished in number eight song of the year, uh, but it did not get hired in number two here. Um, and uh it was the number one song. It was up against the monster, which we're gonna talk about. Um, I love this track. I mean, like I said, it just the lyrics are great. Um and uh, you know, it's definitely if you do the, the Mount Rushmore of John Denver songs, this is one of the four that's on there. Oh yeah, I mean another cover. Toots and the Maytals do a cover of it, which is quite good. Um, no, I love this track. That's all I got. Is I love it. It's good honest music, Coop. It's what uh, it is. Yeah, uh, it is. It, it it really was. It was good. It was just good honest music. There was a lot. I didn't realize there was so much drama with this. Uh, with this track. Um, it would come. Like I said, this um, Rocky Mountain High came after this one here so this was kind of this this set the stage i think for john denver uh with rocky mountain high um as well and by the way i just looked it up there's two state songs in colorado so um this one is um the one that got um what's the word this is the one that got him you know one of those colorado ones there so uh great 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 track uh to say the least um and like I said, John Denver, I think he uh, passed away way too early, too. Mm, mm. Uh, he had a plane crash, right? He was in a, a flying I believe a plane. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a, yeah. Yeah. And Rocky Mountain High, incidentally, only got the number nine. So uh, in 1973. Oh, so. John, what are you doing? Yeah. So this was actually a bigger hit for him. Uh, but he had other, Sunshine on My Shoulders, which is one of my favorites, too. Uh, a very underrated person, John Denver. And a very good songwriter, by the way. And I think he did a lot for the, keeping folk rock going in the early 70s. He was really that. Uh, really one of the stars of that. See, now I know why Coop picked 71, and that's, of course, because <laughs> we go to number one. Number one. And this is the hidden Coop agenda. It's the Bee Gees. <laughs> you can mend a broken heart. Uh, I love some good Bee Gees, Coop. Number one. Uh, yeah. Here, Barry Gibb, of course. Roll Isles in the Stream, which Dolly sings with Kenny. Yep. Great song. Got my Dolly in there. Uh, huge song. This song was massive. Massive, covered covered by a bunch of people. Uh, some of the ones you may have known is uh, Al Green does a great version of the song "Share," and uh, Teddy Pendergrass Coop. Yeah, yeah, Teddy. Teddy Pendergrass. Um, but no, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great song. Love some good BGs. Coop is far more uh, knowledgeable about the BGs than I, so I'm going to leave the stage for you, Coop. What did you think of this track? Um, I love this track. It this is early BGs. Um, so this is um, you know, this is pre-disco BGs. This Dave, you mentioned this was the this was the song that blocked Spanish Harlem. This was this was a monster mm. song. Um, and and uh, this was the fourth week that this song was at number one. Um, it did not get knocked out. It, Donnie Osmond did not knock this song out of number one. I, I'm happy to oh, say thank that. Thank God. Um, what happened was 
Paul McCartney releases uh, Uncle Albert, which was number 12 uh, the week before it jumped up to number one. And then Donny Osmond knocked Paul McCartney out the week after, right? Oh, so, what? Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, but, um, it was, like I said, this was, this was the Bee Gees' first number one song. Um, okay. So this was kind of the, uh, you know, it was, um, you know, they were starting to definitely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This is when they really, they had had some hits in there, um, you know, they had some hits, and this was the one that finally, uh, broke through for them, um, which was really good, um. And, you know, after that, they, uh, but they, they had like, so they had kind of had a single before that called uh, Lonely Days, which was, I think, the one, I don't think, it, I don't know where it ended up charting Lonely Days, but um, it was, you know, that was basically Lonely, like the Bee Gees had broken up before, uh, in the late 60s. Robin had left the band and then um, they get back together. And uh, they write Lonely Days and How Can You Even a Vulcan Heart at that reunion session. And they opted to release uh, Lonely Days first. Um, and then How Can You Even a Vulcan Heart gets get released now. And um, after they had a big four-week run there, right? The Bee Gees went into another slump after this. Um, I want to mm. Bee Gees' slump lasted until 75. Um, they really didn't have much success. And it was, um, you know... I think it was really when Jive Talking came out in '75 where they got back. So this, but this was their, this was some of the early stuff that I think had done done well for them at this point. So, um, but yeah, this was a this was a monster for them. And uh, we didn't finish. It ended up finishing number five song of the year. Uh, nothing disco about this song though, is what I'll say. No, nothing, nothing '70s. It didn't really reflect. It was more of a love song. This song was. It was. I mean, it's it was, a good, it was just a good love. It was a good. It was a Hector love song. It must be. It was. It must be a lot of. Was is this now? This is just me, but this must have been a favorite on their concerts because there are a ton of live versions of this. Song. Yeah, they do. They love doing this song live. They do They've because there it. are a ton of live versions of this song. There are. Um, the Bee Gees always played this song uh, live, even in, well into the '90s uh, when they were doing doing this as well. So uh, yeah, they did a uh, they did quite a lot of that um, as well. But you know, this song wasn't like a Grammy uh, recognized song. It was just a it was just a very very good song um, that the Bee Gees did. But like I said, I really felt that they went into another slump after this. Um, where it took it took a little while to um for them to kind of recoup from this, um, uh, for sure, because uh they kind of worked their way to the top here, and then they they kind of take a step back after this, and and really it wasn't they kind of had to again go back and reinvent who they were, and that would be uh not until like I want to say seventy five, they had a bunch of like songs that just were didn't do well. They released a lot of singles and it just didn't do well. And I want to say 75 was when Jive Talking and Fanny Be Tender to My Love comes out, Nights on Broadway. Uh, that's when the main course album comes out in 1975. But they, they really struggled after this for a while. I'm gonna we should do a BG show, Coop. We should do a BG show. Um, it would be a very good one. Um they I think, you know, 
as far as an album archaeology goes to, we could also do that. I don't think Saturday Night Fever is a Bee Gees show, but like I look at like Main Course and uh, Spirits Having Flown as their big albums. But but a Bee Gees tribute show would be very good because they have such a long history of yeah, like coming it's... back. Like they they stall and come back. Because they came back in the nineties, didn't they? They had a came back like in when the they're 90s. all wearing black leather and didn't they have yeah. a comeback in the nineties? They did. Um, and really, what really they had a couple. They had a comeback with the ESP album in the like end of the eighties. Then they go into another thing, and then they do this. They were doing these one night only. They, I forget who was. Yeah. Doing, uh, they do they do this live album called One Night Only, which totally uh, which totally you know was a big hit for them. Um, and I remember that this was on the One Night album. Um, this song was on there, so uh, you know, I gotta I just, look up this album. Because the album I, um, the album I remember as being their comeback, like wow, the Bee Gees was like, let me look, let me they, look, because they're all they're all wearing black leather. Yeah, I think it's what that. I think it's that 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 one night only album's when the one they they went all in black, and you know they 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 bombed right and after they 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 hit the disco era, end of the era hurt them in eighty one, then they went and they did that terrible sequel to Saturday Night Fever called Staying Alive. Which the music was awful. Then they became songwriters, and then they did this album called ESP, which um, was not a hit in the U.S., but it became a huge hit in Europe. And the Bee Gees kind of uh, started, like they started doing well in Europe again. And uh, it took a few. Uh, then they do the one album in the U.S. and it does good. So, uh, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, we should definitely. There's a really good history with them. If yeah, because they, they had. See, they would have been. You would you talk about them as one of the top bands of all time? Yeah, that one night only, like you said, was huge record. And then they had Still Waters, which was a record they put out the year before. Yeah, Still Waters, I think uh they had it it was not really didn't do well. I don't want to say it did well. I think uh they had the title track may have tracked, but um but yeah, they, they did, did have a mini resurgence in the nineties, sort of capped off by that one night yeah. only record. Yeah, but was that cool. the image of that record kind of lives in my memory. It because it, it was a great live album. It the nineties produced a lot of great live albums. Um, I go with Fleetwood Mac does um does their live album um, which is uh, the dance, and then the Bee Gees do one night only. Um, and they were member they were kind of captured from memorable like this is when bands were kind of getting back together with the VH1 era. And they were yes. doing these concerts, and then they would record the albums off that. And I think the Bee Gees really benefited from that. Uh, VH1 probably really helped save the Bee Gees because VH1 brought back a lot of the songs that MTV was wouldn't play, you know. So yeah. it became kind of a, a good ground for artists to re reinvent uh, themselves. There was a whole um, unplugged albums were coming out in the late nineties, so all those artists were doing the unplugged albums. The, the Divas albums were coming out then too. They were live. So all, a lot of these live projects, really, I think VH1 played a key role in, in spinning a lot of them off. Yeah, very interesting career. Yeah, we should do that. Interesting. Yeah. It's very rare that you have a band that's around long enough to have multiple comebacks. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think the Bee Gees had three eras, too. And we, you know, we'll get into it. I think they, they, they had this era, the early 70s. Then they had the disco era. And then they had what I call the adult contemporary era after that. Because they were, yeah, because they were, that one night album... Like, I, you know, and I wasn't a Bee Gees fan, but I remember that album and I remember that look and I remember they're kind of around everywhere. So, yeah, they had another another pop then. So that's good yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it was funny because I, the funny thing is the Bee Gees are so associated with Saturday Night Fever. Mm. I kind of feel that the Saturday Night Fever album was some of the other artists made that album great. Not that the Bee Gees yeah, have the, the Bee Gees only had about five or six songs on that album. It was main chorus. Some of the songs from main chorus were brought into Saturday Night Fever and just put yeah. on that album again. Yeah, so uh, main chorus I think was the best Bee Gees album. Um, and then Spirit Having Flown was really good too. So, but yeah, but, but a lot of people I know Saturday is they're associated with Saturday and Fever, but because they had such iconic records for Saturday and Fever, yeah, yeah. Oh, great, great BG's talk yeah. there. Um, final thoughts mine, really quick, is that I thought it was fun. Uh, I got turned on to songs I didn't know about. It's interesting to see that those themes that we talked about in the 71 come through the 71 show. It's just interesting to see what's charted. It was uh, it was cool. I, I I am looking forward to doing more of these. Yeah, like I guess if you go through, I have the book here. But if you go through um the online piece, there's a lot of interesting um there's a lot of interesting things that um you you can follow these trends just as easy with the book. And it's kind of interesting to see what goes where, what stalls, um how long it's on the chart for, uh where is it ranked for the end of the year list, which we can always rip out one of those end of the year lists too, and do that. Um, so, you know, a lot of covers in this list, though. I mean, especially, yeah, I was surprised at the amount of covers. Like when we started going down the list here, um, the first um, one, two, three well, like, songs like were covers. Um, yeah. yeah. And then so I was I was very interested in that. It was, it was more covers than I expected. Well, not not just that, but like there's a lot of covers that a lot of these songs get covered. Covered, right. Yeah. Later on. Yeah, there was totally. And there's just a lot of iconic songs that we we hear. And like you mentioned, the Tesla with, with uh, signs, mm. um, you know, Mercy, Mercy Me has been used so many times. Mr. Big Stuff's used commercially that these are becoming jingles and stuff and ingrained in people's mm. heads. Uh, these songs. It was a very when I went to pick this date, I didn't realize how strong this list was. Right. Mm. Mm. Minus Donny Osmond. Right. Minus Tony right, but, but, you know, and here's what here's you're going to have that. Though. Yeah. As good as 1971 is music. Just remember, there was a Donny Osmond cover called Go Away, Little Girl. So the, oh, Jesus <laughs> that 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 just would be number one. It was like uh, that knocks Paul McCartney and Wings off of number one. Oh, that's just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, that stops Mercy, Mercy Me. Like I, it's unbelievable. So. Um, I think it's a good project. I think, like I said, we could we could pick some, you know, obviously different decades and yeah, have a little fun. Oh, definitely, we, the year end list. We could probably maybe do one of those at some point. A top ten. How did you know? Um, but uh, there's a couple. I almost went with an '80s one, but I just said this '71 was just a year we've yeah. covered a lot, and I felt the date yes. lined up. And I was just gonna when I picked the date, I didn't look at the songs, Dave. I picked the Ooh. date based on what we did, right? So I pick up the song, and, and it happened to be this yeah, one. Oh, the Bee Gees. Well, Bee Gees, I can't go wrong with the Bee Gees. I, happy, I, the Bee happy Gees. surprise. Uh, yeah, you got, I said, well, it's got a reader. It's going to make Dave happy. It's got Marvin Gaye. It's going to make Dave happy. Did make um, me happy? Yes. I said, I think he'll like Gene Knight, right? Uh, yes, so I, well, I, you know, I said he's going to hate Donny Osmond, but but I did too. But so. everybody hates Donny Osmond, so uh, it's kind of fun. I don't hate yeah. Donny Osmond with Marie. He's good. He's good oh, with well. Marie. He just don't. He, he, remember, he, he did an stop. '80s comeback. It was terrible, by the way. Oh, uh, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was he's awful. not a good artist. No, no, he's not. Um, <laughs> but Coop. Yeah. Where's your cigar at? Where are we talking here? 
great cigar, man. I'm down about, I'm still just past the halfway point. This is just a good Nicaraguan Puro. It's a bolder, spicier in your, uh, not in your face, but a bolder, spicier Monte Cristo. Um, I prefer the Churchill size for sure of this, but this is probably the next best size. Um, I would say it's a medium plus cigar. Just great. Those Nicaraguan earthy flavors. Some of those little, like, you, you kind of get a little bit of that volcanic soil in here, you know. If I feel like you get some of that, you know. So it's, it's earthy. It's that little fiery component. Um, I have, I have some of the different, I have the Demi size, which is a short one. I could send you one of those. I, that's not my favorite size, uh, but it's, I think that would be one I'd say give it a try. Uh, but if I can get the Churchills for you, Dave. Um, they also have released a new out. cigar called the Diamante, which is uh, the second installment of this 1935 series. But Check I tell you out. what, they're doing Altus is, and we've talked about this, the other members of the team. We think Altus is on fire right now. With they're del- delivering great, great cigars right now to the market. Mine is about about as far as Coops. Uh, I'm gonna make one recommendation for the Dreadnought. Uh huh. Do not smoke it in the morning. Is my recommendation. Like Dave is right now. Uh, it is. I start smoking this cigar at seven o'clock in the morning, because that's the time it is here. Remember, I did one a few months ago, and we did. A, I had to record in the morning, and I almost knocked the crap out of me. This is a strong cigar. Um, it's great. I love it. Um, I think Coop. It's it's so strong that I think you really need to once you get in vibe with that, once you start get vibing with the strength, then the cigar really opens up for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like once you get past the strength and you're like, right. This is a strong cigar. I'm here. I'm connected with that now. Then it really the cigar really opens up. If you don't like strong cigars, the strength might put you off. Um, So maybe have it later in the day. Um, I have Neanderthals for this show sometimes, so strong cigars in the morning are too bad. But yeah, yeah. it is strong. But it's so, good. Yeah, I haven't had this one. But here's my so here's my theory about James, right? So James, he's made his reputation like in the cigar nerd community is doing blends like this, bold, yes. strong. Oh, it's a very James blend. This is a very head. James blend. Yes. But for James to have success, he had to go come up with something that wasn't quite as strong so like cigars like porcelain right now which i yeah. love porcelain um the the manana negro which again wasn't my favorite but it's these are more medium offerings the, the santa Marte, the snrs yeah more, he's doing more of these medium off which he had to do because you kids can't build a portfolio on power bombs it's just it's you're not it's that's not how you do a business but I think what James is doing is, okay, I got some of these power blends. Maybe they're not for the mainstream market. Let me release it to this store. And like I said, he doesn't do junk blends for these stores. But this is no. this is this is James's strength is doing these types of cigars. I mean, he's really good at bold, these bold, dark blends. But man, porcelain's fantastic in the Connecticut. So Oh. I mean, what this reminds me of is the Boondock, which is quite good, which I really like. Sindustry, NBK, like dark. Yeah. I mean, maybe even the morphine to some extent. Yeah. Dark cigars. I mean, the 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 old Bishop's blend, which was a, which um, was a which is probably still is one of his most popular cigars. By God, way. that cigar is so good. But like the original blend, it's it's dark, but then like it's strong. But it's also rich. It has a bit of fruit note to it. A yeah. lot of coffee. It is a very good cigar. Yeah. 
But, yeah, like you said, know, be warned. Yeah, like I said, you know, James is, don't get me wrong, he goes strong Maduros, or how he kind oh. of, that's how he came up in the ranks, but he's also proven that he can do these other blends as well. But this was kind of like his bread and butter. I mean, oh, I yeah, this is, yeah. Remember, Les Wright was a dark, oh, rich, yeah, I mean, uh, that was the first cigar I reviewed from James. God, and, um, and he actually, I had that cigar when it was still being made at Placencia. Because people forget yeah. he was a Placencia for, and he had, he had really good blends at Placencia. It went, it's, and then he kind of kept them very consistent. When he moved into his own factory, he did, those blends didn't miss anything. I mean, they weren't, they didn't change or anything no. like that. So he's just, I think he was able to procure the tobacco. He knew what he was doing with these blends. And, uh, I mean, this, like I said, I keep talking about him. This is a guy who is absolutely, we're seeing like the next great. We're seeing, oh, yeah. he's, I think we're going to be 2033, Master Blender and James Brown. People won't bat an eyelash. Still a little early, I think, right now. If, it's the same Master Blender, but but they won't bat an eyelash if, for 10 years. If, but if you're, if you're a Black Label fan, right, and you're like, I got to smoke everything Black Label, you got to get, get this. Cigar. I'm going to get my hands on this cigar. You got to get this Atlantic exclusive. Yeah. It's quite I'm gonna good. I'm going to get this one. Yeah. It's just that beat. I mean, you know, be aware it's going to yeah. like it's going to come out of the gate real hard. But yeah. if you like if you can like go get get through that and connect with the cigar, it's really, really good, which yeah. is like a lot of like Coop said, a lot of his like, you know, more famous cigars are like that. But uh, it's really good. Like, yeah. He's he, the best. He, you know, Atlantic's awful at the promoting their cigars, too. They um, are. They like, are I had awful to think for this. at promoting their cigars. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, it's, you're... it's a good cigar. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to, you know, I think we did have this on Coop. We covered this. You know, you know, Atlantic, you know how, how you can promote it. You could send a bunch to me and then I can p- promote it on the show. Yeah, just guys put it on. Just, but they, but Black Label did promote this when it came out. It, it there were press releases. This is a new. This is a new blend that came out. By the way, it's it's only been out for about eight months. It's good. I mean, but like you said, Coop, like James does really good cigars, exclusive cigars. He does great ones. Like I said, so, I think because he's he's got a lot of these blends that I think, like I don't know, like a cigar like that. I don't know how the market is for him on that. Um, it can sound like a, it, Bishop's one's not quite is a strong score, but it's not quite what I think in the wheelhouse you're saying here. Yeah, but I mean, it could be that's the morning too, you know. It could be, and yeah. I, had, I, I, I had my cereal and then like lit this dynamite stick up, so it's like, yeah. Um, I mean, it, I mean, if you think about it in strength terms, it's sort of like a Neanderthal, I would put it in the same range as like we talked about the other day. What was that, the Warhead Six? Yeah, um. It would be those sorts of things. Like, yeah. it's not good. I mean, it's not. But the other thing about it, and then we'll get to the music, is it's not sort of strength for strength's sake, right? It's not like a very shallow cigar that's just strong, but it doesn't have anything else going on for it, which I've had those before. Yeah. This want... is like, it's strong, but it complements the rest of the blend. Like, it's, yeah, you know, um, it's not just strength for the sake of strength, you know? Yeah, I want to read the press release quote here. Because I think this is one of the better ones, right? And I'm listening to you talk now. And he says, this was a really fun project. Everything about this cigar just screams black label. From the artwork to the rich, dark, deep, dark flavors, this cigar is what we're all about. The profile is full flavor and medium plus strengths, which for games, that might be full for a lot of people, (laughs) just so you know, okay? The cigar is 
earthy with dark fruit notes and black and yes. white pepper spice. It's bold, but it's also complex and refined. And I'm listening to you, and I look at this quote. I'm like, yeah, he's not like BS yeah. here. That's a great cigar. Um, I'm going to get my hands on this one. Uh, San Andreas, just see the blend is a San Andreas wrapper on that. Um, yep, $12, $12 price point is reasonable for a cigar like this. I think so. I mean, yeah. I didn't find it too expensive or anything. Yeah. And like it's a, it's, it's what? What is it, Coop? Like, a, it's not a Toro. It's a Toro. What? It's a six, is but it? it's box pressed, so it looks thinner. Box pressed. Yeah. yeah. But it's worth, I mean, it's good value. I mean, I, I, I mean, definitely. If you like black label, definitely get it. But, but yeah, um, if you at... like dark those dark flavors, which I like, yeah, get it. It's great. Um, but you're right. The name it's it, it does scream black label. I mean, this it was does. what when James was coming up in 2014. These were the types of blends he was doing, and we were latching onto those blends back then. Like Last Rites was the one that really Last Rites and yep. morphine. morphine. Yeah, morphine comes out. Yeah, so it's like, um, really, really, uh. Good, good stuff there. Um, I gotta get some more. I love the morphine. What was the other uh, one? Deliverance. Deliverance was another. Deliverance. One, yep. Which eventually then, spurned and, the porcelain. Yeah, but. MBK. I mean, then he had like the Black Works label that did stuff. So. Yeah, Black Works kind of. What I think, Black. I think he had to do Black Works because I think those cigars, the the uh, you know, the whole well, Gothic his, theme is limiting. I think, and 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 it's well, as expressive. Yeah, I mean, well, his concept with the Black Works, because I think he was on Jukebox like forever ago. Yep. Um, his concept with the Black Works, we we're sort of talking about it, is it's like the indie label, right? It's like it's the label where he's like experimenting and trying a lot of new stuff. Unlike the Black, and he has the more of the core line stuff is on the Black label, but Black Works is more the like experimental punk sort of side. Yeah. Of and then, and then what we started seeing is like in the last five years. Look, James Brown's doing a Connecticut. James yeah. Brown is doing a Sumatra. Yeah. Um. Yes. James Brown is doing a, a Cameroon. James People Brown's doing love a Brazilian. That. People love that Cameroon too. Yeah, they love I, that. I haven't had it. They love it. Yeah, they do. I mean, I'm trying to think. That really, now that he's gone with the um, now that he's gone into um, what? This was my dream. The, the oh the Brazilian I mean yes um uh, the next thing I want to see him work with is more Ara Paraca and see what happens with that but yeah well that's yeah that's a tough I mean, rapper to work with um but yeah I mean he's getting good tobacco that's the other thing we have to just note um I mean you gotta have good tobacco to do a good blend I mean that's given we know he can blend but mm. you still gotta have good tobacco and I can tell you this he's getting good tobacco um. I can't, I can't, like I said, I can't speak the less. He hasn't had a number one cigar for me yet. It's going to happen at some point. I know. Is he so, now, now this is sort of slowly turning into a James Brown black label show, but has he, um, is he, has he expanded the factory? Cause I know yeah. like for a long time, the thing about it too, is it's very sort of short runs. Like it was cigars were a bit harder to get some of them. Yeah. But is he uh, sort of expanding production, is he? Yeah, he's got a bigger factory. So, you know, James kind of came in with a, like, a little bit like Viaje, right? Except yeah. he did have some more core lines, but everything's small batch runs, right? So even though something's like regular production, he's not mass producing these. He maybe does a run twice a year of like last run. No, runs, yes. Yes, right? yes, yes. But, but yep. then what happened is he started releasing stuff like Deliverance, Morphine, Bishop's Blend, SNR. Um, poor SNR is good, yeah, yeah, and and um, at uh, 
Santa Muerte. And what happens is, you know, some of these core lines built a following, right? So what does he start doing next? He starts taking some of these limiteds and he starts moving them into the core lines. The big, I think the big move he made was moving porcelain in, uh, which became his biggest selling cigar. Uh, he just recently moved, um, I think it was the um, Killer B Connecticut's now a regular production cigar. Uh, Santa Morte became a regular production cigar. So we're seeing him now. He, he's got expanded production, like you said. He's probably getting more tobacco. So he's able to, he's got the resources to make these more consistent runs of these. Um, and then some of the other things like, you know, I think Bishop's blend, he'll always keep that limited though. I think that's an annual thing he wants to just. Yeah, that's sort of the annual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they changed Bishop's blend this year. I hope it's not because he couldn't get a tobacco because I'd hate to see the old Bishop's blend go away. And I hope that I didn't ask him that, but I hope that's not the case. Um, New music coop. Yeah, so we should mention um the folks at Cigar Hustler, uh located in Deltona, Florida. Uh the Hustler boys uh have the Cigar Hustler shop. Great store to go in. Um I can say everything about it. Um I can say every week. Great store, great humidor, great lounge, great customer service. Um just just a great they have their own brand, the Postani brand, which the Connecticut's now starting to make its way. Uh they did the event in Michigan. Now I think they released it at their own store. Uh, the Connecticut, so um, and you know you've been a big fan of that cigar, as well as other yes. members of the Coop team. Um, and myself, it's a good cigar too. Um, you can't get the you can't get down to Florida. Uh, get on uh get on their mailing list, on their website cigarhustler.com. Get on their social mm. media because they are feeding uh, a lot of limiteds. Now, today I saw a lot come out on a limited piece, right? So yeah. I want to say I saw the Quinquagenarios now for pre-order. They're pre-ordering, yep. Yep, so, um, you know, if you want to buy the whole box, I think they're only selling them by the box right now. But, again, that's, you know, if there's demand for that, why not, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I mean, get on – you definitely want to get on these lists because they, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen them do um, pre-orders before, like, a lot of like that. Uh, I'm not – I usually don't pre-order, but this one may be a tough one to get. So I think you can, um, it's just a big box to buy. I hope they break yeah. them up into five packs, and I'm going to see if before I buy a box. Not that I – it's just big boxes uh, to buy those. Maybe after maybe after they do the pre-order, they'll yeah. Usually they do. Yeah. But they have uh, a bunch of other cigars that are out there. The Volsteads are um, coming yes. out there. The Room 114 Anniversary, uh, Eye of the Bulls. I mentioned the NFT cigars are back in stock. Um, And, yeah, they're $200, but – um. But God, bless there. Mike, God bless Mike if you can get those cigars. Oh, by the way, you can buy a five pack for nine fifty. So hey, and okay. you can buy the whole box of fourteen for twenty five twenty. Um, hey, if you it's, want, it's but, right they there for you. I, but they got them. But they got them. They got them. They got them. I guess they're buying. They have someone they're buying them off of. But they are not one of the NFT holders, as far as I know. Um, so definitely check. Oh, they have the new hot cakes out as well. Yes, find the Connecticut. So yeah, definitely. Uh, check it out on there. Um and uh, check out their podcast as well, the A Cigar Hustlers Podcast dot com. Always entertaining, a unique look at the cigar industry like no other. Yeah, well enough, enough, enough for Mike. Enough. Yeah, enough, Mike. Yeah, just uh, yeah, but just give Mike your two hundred dollars for the. <laughs> I I just sent him emails saying give me these cigars and he charges me money and he sends them. 
and that's all I need. Yep. And he sends them to Australia, though. He does send them to Australia. We do appreciate He does. And he has my credit card number, and he just, like, puts money on it. Yeah. That's that's, that's how it goes. Um, Which is fine. Uh, But uh, so, side A. So, side A, we got G Flip. Yeah. Which is uh, our Australian uh, artist. Yep. They have put out a song, The Worst Person Alive, which is sort of off of their record drummer. It's an amazing song. It reminds me a lot, Coop, of a bit of Soccer Mommy, but a lot of Olivia Rodrigo. Right. Yeah. I I sort of. I I wouldn't listen to this track. Yeah. The sort of love song, but sort of like. Gone wrong, kind of like Olivia Rodrigo's like uh, driver's license or her newest one, uh, Vampire. A review on the site. It, it takes a lot to get an Australian artist to cross over to America. I think this song has potential. Harder lately, play. too. A lot harder lately for the Australian artists, it seems like. Yeah. But I think this song has potential. Yeah. Because it is it is quite modern, and it's fitting well into that Olivia Rodrigo sort of vibe. So I think it has a lot of potential, this, this track. Um, it's going to be on the top 50, of course, because it is very, very good. Yeah, Olivia Rodrigo, uh, request, please release Your So Vain as a single. Because that ooh, performance she gave at the uh, you imagine? at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was incredible. I mean, I you talk about whole, singles. Uh, yeah. She put we, out Vampire, it seems like, seven years ago, and that yeah. album still isn't out yet. Yeah, exactly. That single's been out forever. Right? Um, I know. But that album still is not yet. Um, yep. And, of course, we're going to keep the Barbie vibe going. Of course. <laughs> with uh, Billie Eilish, What Was I Made For? That's off the Barbie soundtrack. It's a gorgeous song. Uh, put Fragile, Beautiful, Just Hits Your Soul, this song. It is very unlike her early work. Billie Eilish Coop is going through a bit of an evolution of her music at the moment. I expected that was going to happen, though. I mean, you and I talked about that. I thought she was a little one-dimensional at first, and I said she needed to do that, so I think we're starting to see that. We'll see see how the Grammys respond to that, yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see what her next album will be like. Yep. Um, Because she's starting to make quite an evolution in her sound, which is quite good because her voice is That's important. I think that's important for her because that sound wasn't going to carry her through the decade. That's the nature of the music business. You're sort of seeing it change right before your eyes, sort of yep, thing. So yep, it's quite yep. interesting. Um, if even if you don't want to see the Barbie movie, the soundtrack is amazing. You gotta check out the soundtrack. Soundtrack yep. is fantastic. Um, I think a lot of those songs, Coop. I mean, maybe even this Billie Eilish song are gonna be up for Oscars. I think because that that's so the soundtrack is so good. You know, the surgeons into the Barbie thing. Surgeons, they have to talk. I'm not, but but I haven't gotten it. But I'm gonna listen to more of the music. I did pledge to do that. I haven't done that yet. Soundtrack's quite good. Yeah. Even if you don't want to touch the movie, you're like, that's not for me. That's fine. But surgeons into the surgeons into Barbie. Yeah, because it's amazing. That's yeah. why I I might see it. Father's Day here is on September 3rd, so I might go see it again. That's Labor Day weekend here. Yep. Barbie. Um. Barbie's made 1.2 billion dollars. I think 200 million of it is from me. Yeah, so you, that'll you, be. Yeah, so, so you and your daughter went to see it again. <laughs> of course we did. Um, yeah. I'll mark algae homework. So, G Flip. So G Flip is an Australian artist, but I think it'd be I think it'd be cool to sort of get to know her music or their music a bit. So, uh, their first album is called About Us, which came out in 2020, and it's full of some great indie rock hits. 
Um, it'll give you sort of a, also give you a little bit of a glimpse into like what the indie sort of scene is here in Australia. So about us is the name of the record. G flip, check it out. Yep. Check it out. All right. So Dave, before we sign off, I want to just, Uh-oh. did you mention Dolly? I did. Well, I did oh, yeah. with, with Git. With Git. You did. That's right. You did. Okay. Song. I just want to make sure we yeah. did. Okay. Yes, you did. That's right. Yeah, you did with the Gibbs. Okay. Just wanted to check Ooh. to keep the streak going. Yeah. Dolly, um, by the way, yeah. by the way, a friend of mine the other day, she said, oh, I keep getting these books at my daughter's kindergarten. She gets these free books. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Uh-huh. She's like, yeah, but they're from Dolly Parton. I'm like, what do you mean? And it's like Dolly Parton does a reading has like a reading charity in in America, but I guess it's gone international. So there, so these free books that are from her charity that my friend's daughter's getting at her daycare at her kindy, and they have like a you know it'll be like you know some Dr. Seuss book or something, and it'll have Dolly Parton's like picture in it because it's like paid for by her. Yeah, so you know Dolly, Dolly. Way to go. Yeah, Dolly doesn't have any kids, right? No. Um, but she really has become America's grandmother. She has. She really has. I mean, I think she's looked at as America's grandmother right now. And, um, you know, she sacrificed that for her career. Um, that was, I, her, choice. That was her choice. But but I think she's mm. become America's grandmother in the past. I think I think the world's grandmother, rock, the global grandmother. Yeah, I think this rock star album is going to be huge. Like I have not seen a Barbie or Barbie, a uh, Dolly release. So hyped, like like we said, four singles out already. Four singles with some iconic stars, and um, they've been focusing more on the collaborations thus far. Um, right? I think they've all been the collaborations they they've kind of come out with. It's gonna be huge. Yeah. Yep, it's gonna be huge. Um, all right. Yep. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Coop. Close this no. out, my friend. So next, we are doing a show next week. Um, is the NFL show. So it's kind of like what we did with the NBA show. We're going to be doing uh, picks, playoff picks, over-unders, um, music. We'll have music, I'm sure, too. Um, and Sir John, John the Scar Surgeon will be the guest. Now, you and I are recording the show with John on my time on Sunday night. So we yep. probably won't have the show up. You usually always put the show up the following Monday. This is probably a Tuesday one, just because we got to put the playlist together and get all the renderings done and everything. So this will probably be a Tuesday debut. We'll have of this of this show. Just yeah, so, like the, said, yeah. The, the goal was to get it out before the season started. So this right. was sort of right. The, the yeah, and I know we could do that. And by the way, I know all you guys made sacrifices with times and everything, so I appreciate it as well. Um, so I'm really excited. We'll have John back on the show with that. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of Jets talk. I'm, I'm, I am fascinated to see what, how John, how Serge reacts to the Jets. Is he going to be like full in Super Bowl baby, or is he going to be like the like, no, we're going to blow it? Is he going to be protect himself emotionally? He's be cautiously optimistic is my prediction. I think he's be cautiously optimistic. That first game is so important. We're going to talk about that. So important to the Jets. They have to not only win that game, they can't play a sloppy game. So no. that, that coaching staff, that team needs, they need a win in the worst way um, in that opening game. Uh, so there's that team is going to have all eyes on them. Um, 
you know, like I've never seen a team in New York have it. Uh, Salah is going to be under the coach. He's going to be under a lot of pressure um, with that. So um, you definitely want to stay tuned on that. Now, um, it's actually going to help the Giants, but they open up. Here's the interesting thing. Um, they open up. A very, they have a very tough opener. They have yeah. Buffalo. Oh, okay, they, yeah, this is why this is really tough. Then look, I want to tell you the schedule the first few weeks. First Just week, Buffalo, preview, Buffalo, then at Dallas before coming home Ooh. for the Patriots, right? Dallas just picked up Trey Lance, by the way. Yeah, I know. Gotta wonder if they're they were concerned about Dak. Um, interesting, interesting, but, but Dave, they're three of the first four games. Week four is the Chiefs. Lucky, uh, yeah, they, they have a yes. they they come out one and three. It is not going to be uh, is there's an expectation now now but, now to Surgeon's defense, even though he's not here and this isn't the the NFL right. show yet. Remember, remember what what uh, all the press and and how Tom Brady looked at the beginning of the year they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. That's when he got the down wrong. That's when he was terrible. They were yep. blowing all the games and they turned it around. So yeah. look, they have a defense. And we'll, look at it. Look, I don't want to steal thunder with Surgeon, but yeah, they they have a tough schedule. It's they but they finish with a light schedule. So they just gotta stay in the hunt. They just gotta stay head above water a little bit. Yeah, they do. They do. But there's a lot of pressure on this team, let me tell you. They yes. Buffalo is not an easy game. Um I know it's a no. home game, but that is not an easy game they're gonna have. And then oh, that's a Monday night game also. Uh, but so, if there is if there is a game for them to beat them, it's the first game. Yeah, but you go to you go. Uh, Dallas is always tough at home. By the way, Dallas is not a bad team. Zero uh, and two will there will be like you will you, it will be ugly in New York. The Giants are gonna have some pressure off of them because of the Jets right now. But the flip side, the flip side, Coop, is if they go two and zero, you go two and zero against gonna the be... teams. There's gonna be you gonna be talking Super Bowl. They were dancing and in the street. Super Bowl. I don't think one and one is going to be acceptable for this team, even with those two games. I think they are going to have an expectation to win those two games. Oh, uh, and and the thing is, like the baseball teams are terrible in New York, so um, things are going to calm down. Like no, the pressure will be off the baseball teams as the Jets start playing, and then we'll see in October what happens with with the uh, manager situations and. The, because both New York teams are in last place right now in baseball, so uh, which yeah. is uh, so that, but they won't get a break. I'm just saying the Jets won't get a pass. On this, so. No, no. Uh, I followed New York sports for a long time, and I've always, you know, there's nine metro, there's nine teams in the metropolitan area, Dave. Like, how many cities have nine teams? Right? There's mm. always a team with a target on their back by the media. Always. Right. So I'm curious to see what Surgeon's uh, opinion is on that, and I'm glad he's doing the show. Yeah. Yep. All right, so, yeah, you'll tune into that one next week. But for now, we're going to close out uh, primetime episode 107 into the Annals of History for August 28th, uh, 2023. Check out that music from 1971. And we'll catch everybody uh, next time. Take care, everybody.